0: Welcome to HoopleCast. I am your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts...
1: Carol. Matt. And Mel.
0: And we're a bunch of Hoopleheads. We especially are joined today by... What was that? said especially me. Yes. Put your face <laughs> in front of that microphone. Don't you leave. Don't you play with your toys. Don't you watch videos. Don't you play with your game console. Pay attention, Matthew. Can I eat some nibs? No. Ah. <laughs> Alright, I guess you can. Just mute your microphone. You're such a menace. <laughs> We are terrorizing this podcast. (laughs) We have a guest today. Please welcome to Hooplecast Laurel.
2: Hey, Laurel. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back.
0: You enjoying the season so far?
2: I am. I did watch it before, and I feel like coming back and watching it again is if I've forgotten or chose to not remember a lot of things.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Early onset dementia is very useful Uh for... uh, Rewatching television shows.
2: Maybe I'm a hooplehead after all.
0: We're all hoopleheads. All of us. That's a that's a life lesson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I certainly have been feeling like one for weeks now.
0: But we'll just uh, get into our reader's theater. I've got something here related, semi-related to this episode because it's got a couple tidbits about our general fields in here. And the reader is Robin. Hooray. Our old friend Robin. The following
3: news items appeared in the Black Hills Daily Times, March 27th, 1878, and April 26th, 1878. A baby without eyes or hair, and weighing only one pound, was born in Cheyenne last week. It lived four days, but never saw the light of the sun. Happy infant. What? (laughs) The street A-Rab's attack general, the Shakespearean darkie yesterday afternoon with snowballs. He caught one of them and holding the little urchin at arm's length said, You little Willian, if you ever snowball me again, I'll broke your neck just below your shoulders. (laughs) Mr. Miller of Miller and McPherson of this city who returned from the east last week says there is so much interest in the east in the Black Hills that if Anyone says he is not going there, people begin to think, as Mark Twain's friend thought of the man who said he wasn't going to Paris, that he lies. The villain who sent the following paragraphs at the Cheyenne Gazette is invited to call at the Pioneer office and see Witten. Deadwood now boasts of a telephone, a line being established between the Times and Pioneer offices the largest part of its time being occupied by the attaches of those offices, asking one another out to smile around the corner. A year makes a big difference in the fortunes of some men. We know several who were, financially, way up last spring. But today are asking men to treat them, whom they scarcely recognized a year ago. Every dog has its day. It's the way of the world, we suppose. A Cod on the General. The inmates of the county jail got a good one on General Field this morning. The general is mixed up in the Gay Forbes shooting and was locked up last night in the jail for safekeeping. He was very drunk last night when lodged in the Bastille, and upon awakening this morning, his situation dawned upon his mind in a manner peculiar. He was confused, and the impression that he was the shootest had taken a hold of him. Asking one of the prisoners what he was in for, he was told for shooting young Forbes. This settled the business with the general. Throwing up his hands, he exclaimed, My God, I didn't mean to! Immediately upon recovering from his agony of conscience, somewhat, the prisoners informed him that a large mob of bloodthirsty citizens were forming to take him out and suspend him from the highest tree in the neighborhood. When the general swooned for a second or two, but rallying again, he called for a big, stiff cocktail to brace him in order to stand the ceremony.
1: (laughs) So... Was he hanged?
0: Was he hanged? No.
1: Mm. I got the feeling that it was basically playing a practical joke on him, weren't they? Really? How did you get that feeling? Because they said that he was... Well, maybe I misunderstood, but I thought they said that he when he, he misunderstood and got the idea that he was in jail for having shot the guy, but he was the there for some other reason, and so they told him that Oh, okay. That he shot them and that there were people coming to lynch him and stuff? I don't know. I might have misunderstood what they were saying.
4: But it said he was mixed up with it. I don't know.
0: In a previous episode, we learned that General Fields made money in San Francisco by passing love notes between white men and their mistresses. And the part about San Francisco may have been invented for the series, but in reality, he did that thing in Deadwood. In April 1878, Bill Gay shot and killed a man named Lloyd Forbes, who was having an affair with Gay's wife. Fields was carrying a note between the lovers when Gay intercepted it. Gay claimed he only meant to pistol whip Forbes when the gun went off by accident. <laughs> sure, General Fields was arrested as an accomplice to murder and held in jail for several weeks, although mostly for his own protection. Gay was found guilty of second degree murder and sent to prison. There were some in the camp who thought that General Fields should leave also for his the part that he played in in the affair, so
4: I'm going to pistol whip you with this bullet.
0: remember when i said that i was really hopeful that they would introduce the murder of the school teacher and when the school teacher played by sarah paulson showed up i thought that maybe they were going to do that plot and it turns out that they didn't well her name was minnie callison and she was deadwood's first public school teacher and in july 1878 she was murdered in her sleep she was beaten to death bludgeoned Rumors circulated that General Fields had been seen outside of her room that night. He was arrested, later released. It turns out the the man who put on trial for the crime was Martin, Martin Cook, who had an affair with Minnie Callison. But I will read this from the Black Hills Daily Times, February 18th, 1880. This is a lady named Mrs. Boughton. She takes the stand. She testifies that Cook was at Minnie's house every day while the husband was in Chicago. They were partners in mining operations at the time. Mrs. Callison had told her as many as three times to tell Cook to come and see her, never knew that her husband suspected her and Cook of being too intimate. Until one evening, she left him milking the cow and started up the street for a walk. As she reached the turn of the street up at the Cleveland, someone touched her on the shoulder. She turned around and it was her husband there. He asked her to tell him the truth. She said she would. He then asked her if she had gone out to meet Cook. She told him she had not. She had forgotten the date. It was about two weeks before the homicide. And then she further goes on, Mrs. Boughton, to put all the blame on General Fields. She testifies, had heard that Mrs. Callison might have learned some secret about the gay and Forbes affair, and that General Fields had killed her. Had heard people say it was either a, well, n-word, I'm not going to say that word, or a Chinaman that had killed her she thought that cook was incapable of committing such an act mrs callison told her that she dreamed twice in one night that she had been murdered by a colored man she believed dreams sometimes <laughs> okay hmm. i read a couple things online saying that general fields' footprints were found outside of the callison home and his the size of the prints matched general fields but then this article i found this sort of court testimony says that the size of tracks were about seven, 7, and a half, and his feet were more like a size 11. And that was one of the reasons why he was uh, not a serious suspect in the murder of the teacher. And the real murderer, at least the person who was ultimately convicted of the murder, was this Martin Cook who she had been having an affair with. I'm amused. I should say not amused, but I'm not surprised that the woman's friend is like, well, yeah, she dreamed that a black guy did it.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, and it, it kind of goes, you know, this story that you're talking about with, you know, General Fields, like constantly being brought up as a suspect, goes along with a lot of what is going on in the episode, as far as, you know, Aunt Lou's, um, what Aunt Lou is trying to keep from happening to her son, and he won't listen to her.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Just how precarious life was for any of the people of color in those days.
0: Yeah, don't make waves, don't make waves, don't be seen. But a the more, bunch of Steve's out there. Just know your place. Just know right. your place.
1: <laughs> exactly, and that's the big, big thing. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, so don't get noticed.
4: So, probably already been asked, but was uh, Mrs. Bullock a real person, and was she ever a teacher?
1: Mm, good
0: question. I don't remember. I believe Martha Bullock was a real person, but it was not the wife of Seth's brother. It was just, just, just his wife. Just, just his wife. Just his wife. Um. Did he have a child that died? I think they had children, but I don't think um, any of them were trampled by horses. <laughs> I don't
2: I know. I'd read, read that Martha was his childhood sweetheart and they oh. had several kids. Um, and then they adopted a nephew of Seth's. Oh. When he was a teenager, but I don't think there was any accident with a horse or anything like that.
1: Interesting, though.
2: And that she was a patron of the town, like philanthropic supporter of the arts. But I don't know about the part about being a teacher.
0: Hmm. Yeah, the part about the kid being trampled by the horse was introduced into the season because the kid's parents wanted the kid out of the show. So they had to spontaneously create this plot that he would die. Yeah. So if not that, I think little William would still be alive.
1: Yeah. Poor William. Must have been a slow news day, though, for the part above it. <laughs> Talking about dead babies
0: and kids being admonished. It sounded like the <laughs> Chupacabra was being born. <laughs> a child. How could
5: they tell he was happy?
0: No, I think that was supposed to be sarcastic. I think it should have been said, like, happy infant. Like, oh, what a sad tale. I don't know. Oh, I see.
4: Okay. Yeah, yeah. That- <laughs> um, A baby without eyes or hair and weighing only one pound was born, and then it promptly scrambled up the chimney and screeched out into the night (laughs) on on leathery wings.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God, it's Bat Boy. (laughs) They were very into freakish things, you know, at the time. And, you know, this was a time of freak shows and Mm. and, and things where, you know, you could... um, They would do things like display um, rather grisly... Things, like, if uh, Billy the Kid's, I don't know, um, trigger finger or something <laughs> like that after he was killed, you know, there'd be, like, body parts and stuff on display Well
6: yeah, in they, Denver had, like, and, they had, like, and, uh,
1: funerals in the home and stuff like that, and the body was on display forever. Yeah, but they yeah. also had, yeah, they had, it, it was a different yeah. sensibility, so also, I guess... They also painted eyeballs on the deceased's eyelids, and that's really creepy. Oh, that
0: is creepy. (laughs) Mm. Is that where the Game of Thrones got their uh, stones with painted eyes on them?
1: Oh, maybe. would make sense. But I could see them thinking that, you know, a child that was born, you know, with some uh, deformity or something, it was news.
0: Mm. Did anyone watch Thursday's Orphan Black?
1: No. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought of when I thought of deformed babies being born. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that just now, but thanks for reminding me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of that visual. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for reading that, Robin. Thank you. Thank you. You can hear more from Robin on the Defenders podcast, which he does with R, Matt, and Mel. They are newbies watching all the various Netflix shows about Marvel superheroes. He's also on Redemption Cast, which is an Angel podcast, iZombie podcast, and we don't want to wait a Dawson's Creek podcast.
5: (laughs) Every time I hear that, I always laugh.
4: It's
0: just like, really? Like, okay. (laughs) And then they have these ambitious plans to cover all the CW shows. Like, they're going to do One Tree Hill and Popular, and it's like, okay, you're just going to, all right. (laughs) A lot of people clamoring for these podcasts, I guess. I don't know.
1: I think they Enjoy discussing them. So they're going to do ten seasons of of, uh, Smallville and then...
0: Oh, he loves Smallville. I know he does. I saw his post. Yeah, oh, yeah. You can bet that they're doing the Smallville podcast. Yeah, so that's,
1: that's what, ten. I think ten seasons of Smallville. Jesus. When Supernatural went to eleven seasons, they were saying, you know, like, suck it, Smallville, because they're friends with, you
5: know.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: So they were making jokes about about that
0: the cast because the show that runs itself into the ground longer is the winner
1: (laughs) well I mean for the cast and crew it's you know
0: it's it's a paycheck yeah
1: it's their livelihood and it's you know it gets to be kind of like family and stuff after a while and I mean they've been they've been working together for now for 12 years
0: yeah that's really something
1: yeah
0: Alright, this is episode 30, A Rich Find, written by Alex Lambert, directed by Tim Hunter. Original air date, July 16th, 2006.
4: Tim Hunter, he directed a lot of Twin Peaks episodes.
0: Did he? Yeah. Good ones, too. Yeah. I'm looking him up right now. See if he's done anything recently.
5: Yeah.
0: Oh, he did four episodes of Hannibal. <gasps> yes. This was the only episode of Deadwood. Oh, he did two episodes of Carnival, including Babylon. Nice. Good director. It is morning. George Hurst is in jail. He is not happy. Charlie and George Hurst met at the hotel buffet, but they were not introduced. Charlie is concerned. George Hurst was kept awake by the man in the adjacent cell, the dead man from earlier. He has a knife in him. Is it George Hurst's knife? Is it yours, George?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was really surprised that Charlie went there.
0: He
4: saw that he could. What can George do about it right now?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> but then he's
5: all worried about it later. So yeah, he's going to yeah. come after us, guys. <laughs> Shit, I shouldn't have said that. that made a big
0: mistake. I also like how we kept calling him George Hurst. Like, <laughs> both names.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no big deal.
0: No other thoughts on this scene?
1: Um, let's see. I took a quote out of that scene. But I was just, like, so amazed that Charlie was baiting him so, so much. Uh, but I guess he... He had his opportunity, and he really hates the guy, so.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Was the was the corpse in there already, or did they place it in there, like, specifically to, I don't know, freak him out or something?
0: To taunt him, I would assume.
4: I just wasn't I sure. I thought it was
1: already in there, and they just happened to throw him in jail with it. Mm.
2: <laughs> and they were like, oh. Yeah, I think it was a happy coincidence. Yeah.
0: Why would the corpse be in the jail, though?
1: I don't know. They didn't bury it yet. <laughs>
0: The creek, the creek was full. <laughs>
1: didn't, didn't Seth specifically say he wanted the corpse in the last episode or yeah, for,
0: for True. Okay. Know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Seth specifically. Hmm. Mm. Yes. Seth very specifically had said he wanted the corpse, so I had figured, okay, he wanted it and then he decided this is how he's using it. Okay. I guess to freak him out or whatever to mm. They didn't really force an answer out of him, though. Like, they asked him, but he was like, eh, whatever, I'm walking out, so... (laughs) Yeah, he's not gonna... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fields is making a coffin out of a trough for Hostetler. Jane will accompany him to the cemetery. She doesn't care about appearances.
1: I loved her in this scene. (laughs) Yeah, I liked her in the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Seth briefs Martha on the incident with George Hurst, and that's when there's a knock at the door, it's Al... Albert. (laughs) Uh, Albert. It's Albert Uh, Swearingen. May I come in? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, uh, Seth invites him in, and they sit at the table. Uh, Martha offers him breakfast, and he's like, I'll just take some coffee. And then she brings the coffee and then goes upstairs, but listens at the top of the stairs.
1: I like the way he makes it a point, I think, to use language that we're not used to hearing. You know, like, she doesn't ask him if he wants breakfast. You know, she says, meat and eggs. <laughs> Not something that you would normally say now. And I, I just thought it was a nice touch. Well, they always kind of use that la- sort of language anyways. Like, it's always kind of right. flowery. Like- yeah. yeah. It, it just struck, it, you, struck you yeah. particularly in this scene, though, right? Yeah, I mean, because it's breakfast. How often, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's such a common, we have such common language to say, would you like some breakfast? Yeah, yeah no matter how we say it, but that's just not one of the things. And I guess it struck my ear because it was such a common thing to say or talk about or whatever. Yeah.
0: Was she just emphasizing that she had meat and eggs because it's she not just a, just
1: being polite. And I, I think that's probably in her life, that's how she would say it.
5: Hmm.
1: I don't think she was particular. I just thought that the writing was such more to remind you that this is not, this is not the life you're used to. This is, this is, uh, Deadwood,
0: in the 1800s. Al tells Seth that the hour is wrong for him to be antagonizing Hurst, so shortly after his sea creature friend has died. Expect retribution. And I think even Seth tells Martha, like, stuff's happening. Like, it's- yeah. Things are getting a little dicey here. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
0: It's cold in the Ellsworth household. Alma is combing Sophia's hair. She's very s- short with the poor girl who knows that Ellsworth left before he could kiss her goodnight- because she always wakes because of his beard. Aww. Aww. this oh. melted my heart. <laughs>
4: Although that's bad for her. She needs a full night's sleep.
0: <laughs> He's
4: interrupting her REM sleep.
0: <laughs> I, I just... Alma is so short with her. Uh, he didn't come to me. Good night. Yes, he did. No, I always wake because of his beard. Well, last night you didn't. <laughs> shut, <up>. <laughs> <laughs> just shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> I just figured that she she really needed a fix.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, she said, "You know, um, I'll take you out, but I gotta go. I gotta go. Yep, gotta go to <laughs> take care of something.
5: Yeah, have
0: to go. Mommy needs her medicine.
5: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Dan is up and about, although still aching from the previous day's rumble. Johnny informs him that Seth took Hurst by the ear to Utter's Depot. We're just getting kind of like some setup scenes here. There's nothing really.
1: Yeah, I figured they were also trying to remind us what's happened and stuff. They always do that every following episode they have a lot of like follow-up from the previous episode it's almost like they explained the previous episode to you mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of odd but it's very predictable it's always like that every episode it's in case people didn't see the episode so they can i suppose yeah yeah so they don't feel like they're totally lost and then just stop watching yeah
0: it is kind of a strange structure
1: yeah it's different i don't mind it though because sometimes it just uh, either confirms or denies uh maybe theories that you might have on what actually happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, this is not always clear, so... That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he started doing that partially because there were so many people who kept saying, I didn't really understand that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that could be.
1: I feel like I get the feeling, though, that he didn't, wouldn't really care about what people would think. <laughs> David Milch, I mean. Mm.
4: I don't know. I don't know much about him, though, but I just get that feeling for some reason. And there was no acting troupe at all in this episode.
5: Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. No No doc.
4: Yeah, there was. No doc, yeah. And a new character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just so many people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a town. Yeah. He really meant it when he said Deadwood. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, no, we're going to do a story about the whole town and everybody in it. Yeah. We haven't seen Soapy in a while. (laughs) That's right.
0: I thought he slipped on his soap and rode him out of town when a trail of soap bubbles.
5: Maybe. I can't remember. (laughs) There's so many characters. That was Mel's favorite imagination. imagination.
0: Laurel, what do you think of the theater troupe?
2: In general? Yeah, in general. I like, I mean, I like Langrish. He's my favorite standout with that. I'm still trying to figure them out and their relationships to each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I mean, he, he, Langrish was, Definitely a historic character in the town, but I'm just trying to make sense of all the different actors and actresses there and, yeah.
0: Do my ho- hooples think that they're going to put on a play by the end of the episode? Are we going to get like? The season finale. Oh, that would be kind of fun, actually. <laughs> it would
1: be. I don't think it's going to happen. No,
4: but I, know, what uh,
1: I wish. It doesn't look like they're going to get around to it. It would it be, might be cool. Or maybe they'll just show, like, a glimpse of it. Like, it'll be, like, you know, like a kind of like a montage of, like... <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see them doing a montage thing That's where funny. the the play is going on in one thing and and how many different people are getting killed around town and the other
0: thing. Yeah, sort of like yeah. how they use the wedding in the season finale yeah. to... Yeah,
1: another Godfather moment. hmm Yeah. It'd be
0: fun, though, if they did a departure episode the way that, like, Buffy had its musical. If, like, they just did an entire episode and it was a play. Mm. but it had some sort of significance to the overall story. Yeah. Be kind of fun. Yeah. What they should have done, and if this, if the internet was more of a thing back then, like a webisode of of the play, oh. <laughs> I would have enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. Or it could have been, it could, they could have done a Hamlet thing since he's so into Shakespeare, where, you know, where Hamlet is putting on the play in order to catch the conscience of the king and, and all that good stuff, and in this case it's something to do with George Hurst, and what Hurst has been doing in town, and yada yada yada, or not.
0: (laughs) Hey, we get a racist soliloquy, Steve is drunk outside the number 10, (laughs) he is telling the world that Hostetler was dumb and blew his own head off, and he's not responsible, nor does he fear any retribution from any god that the black folks bow down for, and then a black man rides in and Steve reels. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Uh, yeah, was,
1: I I just didn't. I was like, why is he telling everybody? Like, really, <laughs> Steve? Come on.
5: Because
0: come he on. feels guilty.
5: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And he has to say that he doesn't. I
1: know. Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure why he feels guilty, other than he treated the guy like you know like garbage. But I mean, it's not like the guy killed himself because of Steve. Well, <laughs> he kind of triggered it. Well, did he really? I mean, I thought it was just. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, time kinda... of. He was relentless, right? Yeah, yeah. Steve was pretty, and he still is. He won't stop. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. like
4: was he was he manning like a little booth that was giving out shots, or was he just standing beside it? There was like, he little...
0: was at a booth of some sort, but I don't remember what it what it was. He was probably buying from him. Right yeah, I don't
5: think. First, was... I thought
0: he
4: had. First, I thought he had a booth, and he was like, yeah, it was like a lemonade stand, but it was <laughs> shots. <sharp. laughs> I... I thought it was hysterical
1: that the guy went through all of this stuff to get the livery. And you don't see him in the livery once in the episode that I remember him. Did I miss something? or It's like, okay, you got the livery. Now are you going to do any work in it?
0: He's behind the whiskey shot stand.
1: At the livery?
0: No, outside the number 10. (laughs) No, yeah, he's not at the livery.
1: Yeah, okay,
5: okay.
0: That is a weird shot, just playing this back, this video back. Oh, okay. Um Harry Manning is sweeping the f- the porch of the number ten. Steve is holding onto a bottle and he's talking and he's kind of behind the whiskey s- the whiskey stand, but before they sh- they show Steve, they show somebody pouring um the whiskey shots and three guys like drinking it, and then it just cuts away and where the where do the men go? They're gone. It's they wanted a, to get
1: away from Steve. It's
0: forever. a very strange cut. It's really weird. I'll have to put a sample of it on the Facebook group so everyone can see. This is not the only time the show has done a weird little edit like that.
1: Yeah. Hmm. It it was kind of strange to figure out where he was before with the... I mean, he was outdoors, and I don't know, it was odd.
0: It's gotta be very difficult to have so many extras in the background that, for the purposes of continuity, keeping a track of where all these different people are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one particular person's job.
0: Right. But it's got to be a very tough job.
1: Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. Especially nowadays with people double-checking every frame of something and playing it back in slow motion and all of that.
0: Mm -hmm. Like we just did. (laughs)
1: Like we do. Like we do all the time.
0: Later we're going to find out that this black man who rode in on a horse is Aunt Lou's son, Odell. Evie is afraid Odell will be asking for a room of the hotel, and instructs Richardson to thwart the Abyssinian. <laughs> uh, Abyssinian is the former name of Ethiopia. Uh, it's also a kind of cat.
5: Yes, it is.
0: Oh, Richardson was so great.
1: I know. <laughs> he likes.
4: Know. To, he likes the look of that beautiful name.
1: He does. <laughs> he does. Oh. Okay. I thought he just loved how how. um how Aunt Lou reacted to him and, you know, how much she was happy to see him and loved you know, to see him and all. I just thought he was really happy for them. Yes. Richardson is obviously a family person. He's, like, very family. Well, he loved his mother. Yeah, exactly. So, to see that, it probably (laughs) brought the feels. Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Seth lets George Hurst out of jail. Hurst takes the knife out of the Cornishman's chest, wipes it on a railing, and leaves. Just awful.
1: Yeah. Now that that's one of those things where it's like, okay, so now that cannot be taken as confession that that he stabbed the guy since he took it took the knife. It seemed to think uh, that It would seem you know, that way. Mm.
0: It's certainly a power move.
1: Oh yeah. He's you know, yeah I killed him and there's nothing you can do about it. Or there's nothing you're gonna do about it.
0: And the way that he wipes the knife on their property is like, mm-hmm. rather than like on his own shirt or something. Yep. Sort of mm-hmm. like, I own yep. this, I'm marking this.
1: Yep. <sighs>
0: Asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Al instructs Silas to tell Cy, quote, I know why Bullock acted, but I'm not prepared to say that's confidential and privileged between me and Mr. Swearingen, who explained to me exactly. I. This scene, this is another one of these scenes where well, al was just explaining things to silas and and it's kind of not confusing exactly, but I wonder like if we really need it
1: yeah I assumed, a of
4: confusing stuff in this episode to me
1: I assumed the reason for that scene was the fact that that's not what he does when he goes in and he talks to us uh, Sai. I mean al goes through the whole thing with him exactly what he wants. he treats al as though you know why are you talking to me like I'm a a little kid, and then he goes and uh doesn't really say what he what he was told to say.
0: well the point of it is that Al wants Silas to come across as simple minded because he's trying to fool si I'm not really i don't really think it's necessary why <laughs> doesn't i don't know
1: I'm, I don't know that he's trying to get him to seem simple minded I think he's trying to confuse him he what I took from it was, okay, Cy, I want you to say that um, I don't know what's going on. So Cy will assume that the opposite is true. So I want to plant this seed in Cy's head that, you know, this is true by telling him that it's not true. And then Silas goes there and he says something similar, but he doesn't say what Al told him to say. So there's like a dichotomy there, and Al's plans are not quite being coming through, even with Silas. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Sort of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, Al has got his wheels within wheels within wheels going, and he's trying to manipulate things, and he's trying to use Silas, and Silas is not exactly doing what Al told him to do. I'm
0: trying to formulate in my head a way to explain Al's little plan here. And I'm not sure that I can articulate it properly <laughs> or if it's worth the time, please. Yeah. If it's not worth the time, don't do it. I don't you think know, it is. I don't think it is.
1: I don't think so either. Cause I think, I mean, I'm guessing that it's not going to really, I'm guessing that his plans are going to change so many times, like every five minutes, because he's trying to still trying to figure out how to deal with Hearst. So just like when he was sending Dan off, and as he's like, "Go, Dan!" and before he can get to you know five paces to the door, he's like, "Stop, Dan! You're not going because ch- things changed." He talked to uh, Bullock and changed his mind.
0: Let's just skip ahead, and we'll le- we'll <laughs> leave we'll leave Al's uh, machinations alone, and go on to Blazanoff, who's staring at the telegraph machine when Hurst interrupts. The cost of sending the telegram is a dollar twenty-five. Hurst wants to know what Merrick says about him in his paper. Merrick says, there's nothing about you in my paper. Have you anything to give me?
4: Does Hurst have papers of his own at this point? Or is that just his son? Or does I think
0: his son is the his one son. who... You know, well, you know what? I think maybe he did have a newspaper when he gave it to his son.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Hmm. But I don't think he was necessarily all that in control of the, like, hands-on. He probably just told them You know, about himself, what he wanted to have written about himself and what he didn't.
4: I'm going to guess that he sent off uh, requesting for Pinkertons or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
1: That's what I figured, too. I made a note later on when when Al was sending Dan that Hearst could just telegraph for people, but Al had to actually send Dan to go and get people. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: Why can't Al use the telegraph machine?
1: Because he doesn't have trusted people in other towns who will do his bidding. He doesn't have a network of, of you know, operatives in all different towns where he's got gold coming out of their ears. Hearst is really, really really rich. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, Mel, if you have a word of the episode. If not, I have a candidate. Go ahead. Hearst says to Blaznoff, when you're done wool gathering, I'd like this scent. Wool-gathering, meaning absent-mindedness or daydreaming. Mm-hmm. That one you could probably work you out You could probably yourself. get from yeah. Context.
1: Yeah, That one's u- that one's still used, occasionally.
0: Psy is annoyed he has to listen to messages delivered by Alice Flunky. Now that he knows Leon is supplying Alma with dope, he can give that ammunition over to Hurst. He slaps Leon on the shoulder and says, God bless you, boy.
1: <laughs> I love Leon's later reaction to this.
0: <laughs> well, okay, yeah, he's out by the puddle.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
4: man, it's that same puddle shot in the opening credits?
5: I think
0: so. I think that was the uh, the point of the puddle shot.
4: Yeah, because I think it reflects the exact same thing or close to it in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So next time you watch the credits and you see the puddle, you just think of Leon. Yes, Charlie follows Seth into the hardware store, and and I think this is just to show that Charlie once again follows behind Seth because he's afraid that Seth is going to do something impulsive. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did this last season when Seth was playing to attack Al. He just sort of like mm-hmm. followed him around, then was like, "Oh, just stay with me. I'm getting like winded." Like,
1: <laughs> I think he's also protecting him. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's like got his back kind of thing. He doesn't know whether Seth is going to end up being attacked either. You know,
0: this is the same thing he did for
4: Wild Bill Hickok.
1: Hmm. Yep. Yep.
4: I miss Wild Bill.
1: So does Charlie. Mm-hmm. So and does Jane. Jane. And
4: Jane. I I enjoy seeing that actor in Fargo, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was so good in that.
1: He was. I hope so. Carradine? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, he was the dad, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kyle yeah. Cop. Oh, retired
5: cop.
0: Yeah, season one of Fargo. Yeah. yeah. So good. Hearst questions why Sai is meeting with him without Al's representative. Because Sai has some important private news. He can put the Ellsworth claim in play. His pharaoh dealer supplies Mrs. Ellsworth with dope, and if the quality of the stuff is too pure, the lady might meet with an unfortunate accident. How
4: would this make the claim go in play? Wouldn't Ellsworth just get it?
0: Uh, they have...
1: Didn't they have a prenup? Yeah. They had a prenup. So... And plus, I mean, the courts are a long way from Deadwood. So, she dies. Just about anything can happen. And Ellsworth doesn't have rich relatives back east. Mm, I don't
5: know. So, Seems so, like
1: So, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of even if there wasn't the prenup, Ellsworth doesn't have the kind of connections so that if he, you know, if they stole it from him or something like that, he can't have very, like he's not going to call a judge that, you know, his ex-spouse knew of growing up or something like that.
0: The deed to the claim would probably go to Sophia. And yeah, probably.
1: Could you imagine the legal... She's easily
0: th- murderable.
1: <laughs> could you yeah. imagine the legal proceedings involved in, like, trying to get it from Sophia and, like, all this stuff, like, it, you know, it would probably, that money would probably be tangled up for years. I don't know if Hearst... I have a feeling Hearst probably has lawyers who could just... Probably, yeah. but-
0: So Alma overdoses on the laudanum, on the heroine. And then there's a scene of Ellsworth getting the news and he grabs Sophia and they run out to like a covered wagon and he tries to start it with the, like like turning the key of the ignition to the wagon and it just explodes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think resting a something from a child is a lot easier, I guess is my point, you know, legally in every other way. She wouldn't have a lot of Neither Ellsworth nor Sophia would have a lot of um, uh, pull or anything. And, uh, you know, shenanigans would be easier. That's my feeling,
0: anyhow. know. Hurst wishes he had heard this news about Alma the day before. Recently he has suffered losses. Then he takes Psy by the ear and lets his temper run away with him.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't mind watching Psy be treated like this. <laughs>
1: uh-uh. Me either. It was actually a rather humorous scene. The way so I kept trying to get away from him mm-hmm. by you know you can stop that now. I don't remember what he says, but you
0: know. He acts like it's funny or it's silly and Hey, <laughs> you got yeah. I see you got my ear there. Hey, <laughs> that's great, sir, you can let go now.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He tries to keep it light. Right. While you know, obviously he's in pain and mm-hmm.
0: humiliated.
1: Yeah, exactly. But he tries to make it seem like it's no big deal.
0: And now we get Leon's soliloquy. He is angry at Mr. T for Sai's momentary friendliness, and he knows that once Alma is dead, his usefulness will be at an end. Leon finds his way to the bank. Trixie excuses herself. Leon tells Alma that his Celestial isn't in position, so she ought to make other arrangements, and this is the last she'll see of him. He is alive. He's planning on staying that way. Outside, Trixie threatens Leon with a gun, but he tells her he's no longer the lady's supplier. Then, back inside the bank, Trixie calls on Alma for being high with a child in her home, and Alma fires her from the bank.
1: I love that scene. I love Trixie. I I love the way that was written with Trixie, basically. Every time Alma would start her holier than now stuff, Trixie would just call her on it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I love that scene.
0: Your ladyship.
1: Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what were you gonna say, Mel?
1: Trixie had possibly the smallest gun I've
0: ever seen. <laughs> it's yeah, but you know she...
4: you stick it in someone's ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. She knew what to do with it. <laughs> it's got to fit between her breasts. Yeah, yeah. that's where no, she, she hides it. her gun.
2: Or she had it down her on her leg like a garter. She had it on her leg. Mm. Yeah, or in a boot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she had it on her leg because she put it back on the street right after before she went back in to confront Alma.
0: Probably the gun that Jewel got for her back in the pilot episode. Yeah,
1: mm, maybe. So how
4: how is Leon going to hide this from Psy that he's not giving her anything? I don't I don't know what he thinks he's going to do here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if he stops supplying her, and they say why? Then I mean, he could lie and say, "Well, she she didn't want to buy from me anymore." I guess he could do that, but. I don't think that's going to fly. Mm. So I'm not, I agree with you. I don't know what, how this is going to get him out of trouble, other than with Trixie.
0: Psy gives EB $200 to brief him on any impending actions that Hurst might take toward him. Then later, EB will take that money to Al, because he thinks it's a loyalty test. <laughs> But yeah. the money came from Psy without prelude or prologue. Evie wonders if George Hurst is Caesar, murdering his employees for his own amusement. He begs Al, save save us! Save us, Al!
5: <laughs>
0: I like how he just, like, that money just ended up
4: being in Al's possession by the end of this. Right,
1: right. It, that made s- so little sense. You know, since when would Psy be person that would be giving him a Al loyalty test?
2: Yeah, I didn't get that yep.
1: either. That was, like, so weird. Well, it's EB. Kind of yeah, yeah. Paranoia. Yeah. EB, yeah. Yeah. E. a lot of times, doesn't make any sense. But, you know, one of the things that I thought, I thought of after watching the episode, and there was that, that moment when, a little later on, when um, EB uh, hears Hearst say about, br- he, the, about bringing the place down, And he's like, oh, does that mean everybody or just us or just the hotel or what? I thought, wow, wouldn't it be funny if, because E.B. is listening at keyholes and everything else, that he ends up as, like, the key to everybody being able to defeat Hearst in the end and, you know, after being such a dope...
0: (laughs) He's the linchpin of the whole thing. Yeah,
1: that he ends up being, like, the key to to defeating Hurst or or whatever and saving the town. I don't think so, but it amused me to think of it.
0: (laughs) Hurst surprises Aunt Lou, who has a visitor in her room. It's only her son, Odell. Hurst makes a show of inviting Odell to stay at the hotel because he has to remind Aunt Lou that it's not her place to invite men, even her son, into his hotel.
5: That's mean. Again, Gross. Also,
0: ghost. where have I
4: seen this guy? I think he's been on
0: sitcoms. Uh, that's Omar Gooding. He's the younger brother of Cuba Gooding Jr.
2: Oh, uh, that's oh makes I can see sense. the resemblance. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. They look yeah. very much alike. Yeah, They do look alike. Huh.
4: Cool. I think I remember him from sitcoms. I'm going to look him up.
0: He was in 57 episodes of Hanging with Mr. Cooper.
4: Oh, that, maybe that's, that's where. That's yeah.
0: where you saw him. <laughs> 57 episodes. 11 episodes of Playmakers.
4: Smart guy. That's the other one
1: don't know
0: that, too.
4: That was only on for, like, two seasons.
1: I I ended up with just this note, how dare Aunt Lou have another person to interact with,
6: to Mm. take her
1: attention. I was thinking that Hearst was jealous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, she is his property. He gave her a room, and someone is making themselves comfortable in the room that he gave her. Well, you know what? You gave her a room. She should be able to do whatever she wants with her. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it works. I wonder Uh what would Hurst's reaction be if it hadn't
2: been her son. If she just had a man in her room. Probably
0: Hmm. worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: A lot worse. A lot worse. But even so, I mean, I thought the writing again and the acting was so nicely done on all sides that these people are walking such a tightrope with this guy, mm-hmm. and and not just with him. I mean, you know, the the black members of the community are walking such a tightrope with everybody in the white community. But the more power they have, the you know, the thinner the 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 line they have to walk.
2: Odell seems to be the only one so far that is kind of has more of a confidence
1: than the other
2: pe- other uh, black people in the show. That are more deferential. He seems to have more of like a chip on his shoulder.
0: Probably because As, he's younger.
1: Maybe, yeah. And also she sent him to Liberia. And he's been in Liberia. So <laughs> he's traveled the world.
0: And we'll talk about Liberia later. Yeah, but I was hoping so.
1: I mean, he's he was sent away. We don't know what age he was sent away, but he was sent out of this environment. And that was one of the things that, you know, in American history, every time we had like World War One or World War Two, and we had black troops go overseas and see a different kind of attitude and a different kind of society. And then they came back, you know, after they had fought for their country or they'd done this or they, you know, done these responsible things and been told, okay, now you're little kids that can be slapped down whenever a white person feels like it. You know, they haven't, you know, they've come back with a different attitude. Mm-hmm.
0: Although actually it is Odell who says to his mother, are you sure it's okay for me to be in this room? And she says, of course it is, because right. uh, George Hurst said, you know, this is your room. Stay in my hotel. Like he, he's always so nice and you know, Aunt Lou and you're my Aunt Lou and you make me cobbler and you shine my shoes and, and stay in my hotel. And, and, and they laugh about it. And mm-hmm. then he shows up and he's like, what is this person doing in your room, Aunt Lou?
1: And what? I was, I was kind of curious whether it was that he was in a bad mood. Or that he had overheard her talking about him, and that put him in a worse mood. And that's why he was so mean about it, I wasn't sure.
2: I think he overheard her talking about him, it just, it seemed like he was right there when they were having that conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And
1: she looked like, she was afraid that she got she caught. startled, yeah. Oh,
0: they immediately right. shift their eyes downward, they don't, they don't look at him unless he speaks to them. Like Odell is looking at the floor until he's, Mm -hmm. until Hurst addresses him and then he looks up. It's so sickening.
1: Yeah. And I noticed too, that she changed her speech pattern too. Mm
5: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I mean, Odell, even though it's like part of him knows what he's, what he needs to do. The other part of him is just so sure that he's, you know, (sighs) <sighs> that he knows what he's doing and that he can, he can, whatever his little plan is with this whole thing with the
0: gold. Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Charlie recaps the events with Saul and warns that Hurst is going to come for them. If Seth were Wild Bill Hickok, he'd act first. Go to Hurst's operations, entice Hurst's men to follow them back to the camp where Cy and Al could gun them down. Meanwhile, Seth could take care of Hurst. Saul, Saul is a little shocked. He says, there'll be nothing left of the camp. Charlie warns him it'll be worse if they let Hurst act first.
1: Yeah, that's some plan Charlie's got. Whoa.
4: What does he think Hurst is going to do to the camp? Just actually completely
0: destroy it? For real? Or just kill well, he-
4: the people he doesn't like? Or
0: Again, they go into covered wagons and they blow up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think Charlie figures that Hearst is going to kill them all and yeah you know there might be a camp left, but it'll be under Hearst's total control, and none of them will be alive. yeah you see it. He's totally gonna just be like um uh, like the shining, just like hatcheting his way into people's homes <laughs> like he did to his uh hotel room he's just gonna yeah. that's how he's gonna kill people. <laughs> I don't like this wall.
4: <laughs> hey, this it in my house.
1: <laughs> it's my but- house now. <laughs> In a way, that's kind of when you just said that, it's like all I could hear him saying was, you know, I don't like this town, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, he really hates it here. He hates all these people and their opinions.
1: Yep. Mm hmm. Yep. How dare they have opinions? How dare they want to have, like, their own lives and not just do whatever he tells them to? Now that he's encountering uh, Aunt Lou's son, who will likely have opinions as a black man. I don't think he's going to like that very much. (laughs) (laughs) Because he already said he liked black people better because, you know, they don't have opinions. They're just there.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, they do what they're told.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the big question in my mind is, I mean, is Odell just trying to get noticed by Hearst to get some kind of position in his organization by telling him... Stories about Liberian gold fields.
4: Yeah, is he actually going to try to get some yeah.
1: Liberian gold? Or is he trying to play a uh, a scam or something? Yeah. Having exists. to do with Liberian gold fields. Exactly what I'm wondering, too. Yeah. It's got to be a scam. Either way, honestly, it's really dangerous for him to just even be, even be trying to get a position with Hearst. I mean... It's dangerous for anybody to be working
0: for hearst anyways. Yeah. Right? You just don't yeah. want to be on the guy's radar. Yeah. And, th- and that's why Anne Lou freaks out at the end.
1: Exactly. She's just afraid that this is the beginning of her losing her son, and that he's going to end up dead. And I'm afraid she's right.
0: <sighs> I had a sigh there. I had a sigh. I was so full of worry <laughs> and tension. <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah,
0: oh "Oh, boy, and I know it's coming. It's like oh, this show. I hate George Hurst so much, but he's so interesting.
1: Yeah, I really like the fact that they that they're being very uncompromising in the way they're presenting the time and the norms of the time. It's you know the whole thing about. I mean, there were just different rules if you were white or if you were anything else. And it was not, it was it was bad.
4: I never liked Sy before, but I like him even less now. He just seems, <laughs> he seems redundant.
5: <laughs> yeah, good Like, point. why is he
4: even around still? He's got nothing to do except just be told what to do.
0: Maybe he'll be, like E.B., very important at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll come to their rescue. Come to the light.
1: They'll walk off into the sunset together holding
4: hands. <laughs> Who will?
1: Be inside. Oh. <laughs> we'll find each other in the end. But it'll be the end of the montage. <laughs> just just theater montage. montage.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Skipping into the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fi- How did you know what the
0: final shot of the show would be?
1: I'm just that good.
5: <laughs> Very
1: perceptive. <laughs> You should know this, Matt, from all my predictions, how
0: perceptive I am. That's true. They've all come true.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. In yes. my mind, yeah.
5: Every single one.
0: <laughs> Leon tells Con Stapleton his reservations about Alma and Psy, and that's when Psy walks in, who tells Leon privately, do not step up the dosage, don't kill Alma, not yet. So Leon has made himself out of, out of sorts because he doesn't know how to maneuver Psy and then it turns out size like you know what never mind the plans off right going to do it anyway
1: at least the plans off for right now i mean so he's still not off the hook but what exactly is he supposed to do at this point
0: well he doesn't know that's why he bashes yeah. his head against a mm-hmm. post i know
1: i agree just like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do Poor drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> it's a cautionary tale uh-huh well when you Are dealing with people like that, it's you aren't going to come to a good end,
0: no matter what. Do you think Leon is going to skip off into the rainbow?
1: Yeah, he'll be right in the middle. He's going to (laughs) be fine. He'll be riding. He'll be riding piggyback on size back. (laughs) 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 Matt, do you think Leon's going to be fine in in the scheme of things? How things go? (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm surprised
4: surprised he lived this long.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh
0: I agree on that. Trixie calls on Al and pretends she wants to turn a trick. This humor does not sit well with him. Uh-huh. She tells him about Alma, and he mocks her high-mindedness. Basically says, stop, stop m- picking fights. Understand that you have a good thing going here. Mm. Yeah. Except he says it in a little more abrasive fashion. That <laughs> 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 scene was very amusing to Mel. Um,
2: yeah. I loved it. <laughs> he was right, though. I mean, I think Trixie deserved- needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. I
1: loved how he he was like, "You have a good life, you loopy cunt." <laughs> <laughs> like super, like calling her a loopy cunt, but like in a loving way, and I found that really amusing. <laughs> He's called
0: her that like three times now.
1: I know. <laughs> it's a term
0: of endearment.
1: <laughs> oh man, people was, on this it, show are what? so warm and fuzzy. Uh huh. It's kind <laughs> of adorable though, in a weird kind of way. <laughs>
0: Let's just say when it comes to the quote section of this podcast, I'm gonna need a scene partner. (laughs)
5: Yes.
0: (laughs) Alma asks Ellsworth to reconsider moving out, but he can't bear to watch her sabotage herself if he stays, so he's gonna leave for the diggings so that she can have the space she needs to get better.
5: No,
1: Ellsworth Sophia needs your scratchy beard! (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention the fact that I don't think it's about Ellsworth.
4: What do you think it's about?
1: I think it's just about feels good. Yeah, you know, the drugs feel good. Makes her feel good. She doesn't have any worries. You know? I mean, I don't think it's about Ellsworth. Yeah, but could Ellsworth be a part of her worries? Obviously, there would be if they're having trouble in the romantic department. That's well, a pretty, have- pretty big worry if you're married to someone, you know. But have they ever done? Have they actually done it, or was that the first time that you know? That's she- kind of debatable. I came think. on to him. Yeah. I had assumed that they hadn't actually... I mean, she was she was in a risky pregnancy when they first got married, so they weren't going to be jumping into bed together at that point. No. So I had assumed that this was basically the first time, you know, she had come on to him, so... Yeah. That can be pretty stressful, though. Yeah, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe, you know, she needs a little... Something in her life, yeah. Well sex wouldn't be such a bad thing. <laughs> but from
2: Elsworth's perspective, he thought as she had to get high to be romantic mm-hmm. with him. Yeah, right,
1: so. right. And yeah. it's not like they could be open about their feelings. It's not like they yeah. people like openly talked about sex back then. No, really. Yeah. Well, some did, but not a lot. I mean, you see some of the old letters from people like you know. John and Abigail Adams, but, you know, they were real partners, you know? Yeah. It was possible. It just wasn't possible for everybody.
0: Back at Merrick's, Blasius is sad. His parents were killed on a farm while he was a student in Petersburg. He saw their faces in the man he found dead in the thoroughfare.
1: That was so sad. Yeah. I was wondering if it was compounded by whatever was in Hearst's telegraph and... Mm that he's seeing the kind of stuff that he saw back there happening.
4: I wonder if his home country at this time is just as like wild as <laughs> wild and crazy as uh, the States.
1: Where is he it's, coming he, from?
4: Russia, isn't it?
1: Russia. Yeah, Russia.
4: Is it like just as, as bad with like people in frontier towns with I guess there wouldn't be a frontier <laughs> town in that country, but people with guns oh. on their waist all the time and just, indiscriminate murders and stuff.
1: Depending on where he was in Russia, I mean, they had the pogroms and all that stuff for a long time. Well, I
0: I did a little bit of research on this. I took some guesses here. I figured if the actor Pasha Lichnikov was around 38 when this was filmed, then we can assume that Blazinov is the same age. Then Blazinov was probably born in 1839, Hmm. and he was sent a way to study in Petersburg, I would guess when he was like in the, between the ages of 15 and 18, that'd be like a good age to send a kid away, right? Yeah. So I thought, well, did anything happen in Russia between 1854 and 1857? And that's when I found out uh, that that is the span of time sort of overlaps with the Crimean War. Okay. Which was from 1853 to 1856.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So that could have been sort of his backstory. Mm-hmm. Like maybe... Um, that's when his parents were killed. Something to do with the Crimean War, which is not a war that I'm familiar with. So I'm like, I've heard it, but I don't really know the details of it.
1: I can't remember. I I looked it up for some poetry that was involved with, you know, the Crimean War, but I don't remember now. The British were involved. Um But, it, you know, the thing is that a lot of that area, there's been one thing or another, and depending on what... um What ethnic group you were part of and stuff. There was violence being done against people out in rural areas and stuff. You know, political stuff and all. Just for decades, you know. Mm. You read some of the books and I wonder, how did anybody survive?
0: One interesting thing I keep reading about the Crimean War is that new technologies and new ways to apply existing technologies to warfare were pioneered in this war, including the first tactical use of railways to transport troops and the f- use of electric telegraph to improve communication between the leadership of Britain and France to the battlefield commanders in Crimea. Mm. Kind yeah. of interesting because he goes into the telegraph business. Yeah. But I'm just guessing. I don't. It could just be that his parents were murdered because people get murdered. It may not have any historical background, but maybe we'll find out.
1: We had the whole Russian steps thing and the the um I, I can't come up with the names of the different groups, but uh um you know, the white Russians and all of that. Uh Cossacks. There we go. Cossacks is worse than you. Have, so
0: Odell tries Aunt Lou's cobbler. Aunt Lou can't figure out how her letter reached Odell in Liberia in twenty seven days. Mm-hmm did he ever even go to Liberia? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. At first, I thought not. I thought that the whole thing was a scam there for a while, that he'd never gone at all. But then when he started, you know, getting real, like, bitter about what Liberia was like, uh hmm, sounds a little bit too coming from the gut, unless he was somewhere else, and he was just using his experience someplace else and putting it on Liberia. I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on with that guy. There's something not right.
0: Yeah, he goes on at length about Liberia saying that there's no work for Americans because the fieldwork is done by the Africans, though they are lazy. The Americans used to steal off the Africans, but the English put a stop to that. The air is so hot you can't breathe. Everything is dry. He hates the air. Hates the breathing in and out. He hates Liberia.
1: Yeah. He sounded a little like Steve, which I think was part of the point. (laughs) <laughs> That's why I was a little confused by this. I was like, he's trying to get Hurst to go, it sounded to me like he was trying to get Hurst to go to Liberia, but I felt like he should know that if Hurst goes there, chances are that Aunt Lou will also go. So is he trying to send his mother to a horrible place? Is that what he's trying to do? Like, I get the feeling that he was blowing smoke for Hurst because he has an ulterior motive. He wants to set himself up as, like, Somebody who really
0: knows gold mining. I find gold. <laughs> mm. He yeah. may have found gold. Would he lie to his mama? She asks uh, him, "Is there gold there?" And he says, "Yes, a rich find, Mama. Praise God." <laughs> in uh, yeah,
5: in Liberia,
0: in Liberia,
4: they called me the other boy. The Earth talks to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is so up to something, and his mom knows it. And it, I felt bad for her. Yeah.
0: What there is in Liberia, lots of rubber plants, rubber trees. That's where the, the largest plantation of rubber trees is, and it's owned and operated by the Firestone Tire Company. Mm-hmm. We'll, let's, yeah, we'll talk w- a little bit. Of, oh, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I, I tried to watch a little bit of that um, video you posted on Facebook this morning, and I think they referred to it as white gold, the rubber.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Odell's like, There's he's bringing rubber. Gold. But it's actually rubber. <laughs> <laughs> uh so Hurst would go to Liberia and be like, Rubber, damn you, Odell
0: <laughs> I posted in the Facebook group uh part one of a video that was on YouTube called Liberia America's Stepchild.
1: hmm Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah.
0: I only watched the first part of it. It's it's very interesting though, and I spent a great deal of time today reading about Liberia, so I'll just report my findings. Try briefly, hopefully. Liberia is a country along the coast of Western Africa. It began as a colony for freed American and Caribbean slaves in 1821 and proclaimed its independence in 1847, becoming the continent's first republic. The Constitution of Liberia was modeled on the U.S. Constitution. A quote from a Slate article, Liberia was actually founded by the American Colonization Society, a group of white Americans, including some slaveholders that had what certainly can be described as mixed motives. In 1817, in Washington, D.C., the ACS established the new colony on attractive land in West Africa purchased from local tribes in hopes that slaves, once emancipated, would move there. The society preferred this option to the alternative, a growing number of free black Americans demanding jobs and resources right here at home. So, this is what the documentary said. There was a slave revolt in Haiti, and the Haitian slaves killed all of their white masters and then went to the United States where they told free blacks there and that, hey, this is what happened in Haiti. And all the white people in the South got really kind of like skittish. Like, ooh, I don't know about this. Hey, -hmm. here's an idea. Let's send them to Africa. We'll just, we'll book them a a trip back on a boat and they can all go back there. And then we don't have to have them here. Mm -hmm. Have like this powder keg that we're sitting on top of. And... In addition to the, the slaveholders, there were some Quakers who were anti-slavery who were in on this because their motivation was spreading Christianity to other continents. So they colluded and cahooted and they basically, they sent some freed slaves to Africa who brought with them Southern plantation architecture, American proper names, Christianity, and of course the tendency to exploit Others as well, because that's something that they, they learned, like we, we can oppress other people. So they ended up, yes, mixing with the indigenous African population, but they also held themselves apart and as superior because they were Christians and the Africans were heathens. And they tried to put a stop to the slave trade in Africa because the indigenous tribes of the region were in conflict, uh, kidnapping each other to sell each other into slavery. So the freed American slaves tried to put a stop to this. And this furthered a schism between the Americans and the Africans. And it's a schism that lasted over a century. And there was a military coup in 1980 in which the elected leader and 13 of his aides were publicly executed. And here's a quote from a BBC article at the time. Most of the deposed government belonged to Liberia's elite, the descendants of freed slaves from the United States. However, the so-called Americo-Liberians now only make up 5% of the population, and resentment has built up over the years at their dominant social and economic position. And if you watch that video, you're gonna see it starts with the, um, the those 13 aides being, um, tied to posts in the surf, actually. They're tied to these, they're put on these wooden posts, and they're executed. and... The military wanted journalists there to document it, so which is why it's on video. And it's it's at the beginning of the documentary. They cut away before the, you can see the people murdered. But I find this very interesting because Odell shares this sentiment of, yes, we're black and they're black, but we're better than they are. Right. They're they're lazy and we're not.
1: Yeah.
4: People will always find a chance to designate someone else as other.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter if you see like a Someone that's so very different from you, and you don't understand that difference, you're gonna kind of you know push it aside as Pff, whatever they're just stupid. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big pushes in the sixties to because you know Africa had been so so denigrated as being backward and you know this and that and the other thing that you know it was like you should be ashamed of your ancestors being from Africa. So there that was where that whole push came in in the 60s to start saying, no, there's, you know, it's a rich culture, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But honestly, I have friends from Africa and they're still dealing with the same stuff from all different kinds of people in the States, including African-Americans. What, that people from Africa are backwards? Or yeah, that they, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, some of my friends from Africa who are like yeah they just think I'm a dumb African or something like that oh. and and uh and I've seen a certain amount of you know just in the attitude and stuff where it's like why are they acting that way <laughs>
0: yeah
1: it's it's yeah because it's not gone
0: in this country, you do grow up being taught that America is the best and it's the greatest oh, yeah. country in the world, and yeah, it's not until you're older when you realize that's just bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Some people realize. But it's very easy, I think, to kind of um, maintain that attitude. So you go to another country and it's like, well, everyone's doing it wrong.
5: USA. Right. U-S-A. 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 USA. Oh, that's
0: so gross.
1: <laughs> and yeah, as you say, and some people never grow out of it. You know, yeah. they never recognize that that's other cultures most... and other people They never are... question
5: it. That's the most obnoxious yeah
4: chant in the world yeah <laughs> like, it really is anytime anytime there's an international sporting competition and i hear that i just i grind my teeth mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: so okay so yeah. we've lost
1: a bunch of different um listeners now but <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i don't think we ever had them <laughs> probably
1: not probably not yeah
0: i don't think you can be a fan of deadwood and not be sort of conscientious about certain things and have certain progressive ideals. Like, this is a show that deals in race and class and gender inequality, and if you like Deadwood and you're not getting any of this, these themes, then you're not really a fan and you're definitely not listening to a podcast about it. You're just watching oh, yeah. it and being like, oh, uh, the good old days.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that was kind of my feeling that I am constantly amazed at how how people will delude themselves into thinking that, you know, oh, this is this is just reinforcing what I believe. And it's like, uh-huh. no, it's really not.
0: Hey, there's that guy, Steve. I love that guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's
0: my favorite character.
1: Finally somebody's telling the truth about, you know, the way that things are you know white people are treated in this world.
5: I like that Steve. He tells oh, it like for, it
1: is. Yeah, yeah oh, for us. Yeah. Steve, Steve for president. Steve twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vice president. Oh
0: <laughs> I'm writing Steve's name in my notebook and drawing little hearts around it. <laughs>
1: I truly loved when Steve... There was some quote having to do with, you know...
0: Well, we're going over to the number 10. Yeah. He's still drunk and saying racist things. Yeah. Tom is disgusted, and he blames Steve for his lack of better clientele. And Steve says, maybe it's your chilly attitude and the fact that every other place in camp has been swanked up and seen to. Stop blaming other people for your problems, Tom. <laughs> yeah,
4: I love that. Yeah. Oh, that was so great.
0: I was trying to search for the word for what
4: you would call that, that quote. And I couldn't could think of it. Like I was like, what's the word for this? The mo that was the most blank comment self, ever.
1: Self deluded hypo- uh, hypocrisy I would say.
4: I guess. I, the the best I could come up with was uh, tone deaf, but I, I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if that's correct. <laughs>
1: Just basically take your own advice, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I looked at his self delusion. You know, he is he isn't looking at himself at all. I love Tom not
5: all in this scene. (laughs) That's pretty great. He kept, like, just moving over further away. Like, you're so annoying.
0: Shut up. Tom, (laughs) it is your saloon. You can tell him to leave if you want to.
1: You really should have. But I loved how when Odell came in and he, uh, and he basically was like, yep, you can come on in and you can (laughs) have a drink and Uh you can stand right over there right next to that guy if you want. Don't I was hurt. like, well, if you can't get Steve out any other way, this is one way of getting Steve out.
0: And if I was Odell, I'd be very suspicious about this white guy over-enthusiastically shaking my hand saying, Come on in! And be like, oh, uh, <laughs> what's me. happening?
1: And then leave him again. Yeah. 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 But I don't think Odell... I think Odell is one of those guys who thinks he's just so incredibly clever. And he's not.
2: That's what I'm saying. He's got this confidence, like this false confidence for some reason. Yeah. yeah. He's got
1: an ego that is going to just get him killed. And that's what his mother's worried about.
0: You can even see it in the way that he dresses and carries himself.
5: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Hurst is annoyed that Odell has not shown up for dinner. Aunt Lou looks downward and runs past him. She asks for directions to the livery from E.B. He points because he can't assume she knows left from right. <laughs> <laughs> she comes across Jane oh. and Fields returning from the cemetery. She begs General Fields, please save my son.
4: Yeah, when he pointed in the direction, I was like, what? He's not going to make a comment? And then he did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> First. I, again, it's just they did such a good job with so many things in this. I mean, the fact that she would go to the only black person that is in town. I mean, she doesn't know this guy at all. and But he's he's the only one that she can even ask for help, even though she doesn't know whether he would be any good at anything. But she can't go to somebody who's white. She has, she has no reason to have any expectation that anybody who's white would help her.
0: Mm-hmm. And this explains why we had that scene in the previous episode of her giving food to fields
1: Mm -hmm.
5: just to
0: establish that they know each other so that this can pay off here
1: and that he owes her well he does (laughs) i mean she gave him food
0: yeah so now he has to intercede on behalf of george hurst and her son like i feel like that's not you can't equate the two
1: no you can't equate the two but she's basically asking him for a favor i feel yeah, like, she's she un- took yeah. care of him, but I don't. I don't think she should expect anything because she took care of him. But it's kind oh. of like, you know, like, like I I helped you. Would you mind helping me, kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I-, I helped you. I'm without knowing you. I'm a good person. Yeah. You know, you should help me. Please, please help me. I am desperate, and you know,
0: Al is a bit tired of Dan feeling guilty and sorry for himself. He predicted this to Johnny: a fair fight to the death, seeing the lights go out in someone's eyes or eye. But better <laughs> Captain Turner than him. <laughs> Al yeah. wants Dan to go to Cheyenne to hire some guns, men of character, because it seems almost inevitable that they're going to go to war with George Hurst.
4: How many men does George Hurst have in Deadwood? Doesn't seem like he has many, if any.
1: I think they're all out at the mine, keeping huh. yeah, the Cornishmen in line.
4: True. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't be stabbing people by himself. <laughs> but we just don't see them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Al could say, drinks on the house, free free pussy if you go kill George Hurst, and I bet you'd get <laughs> you get a lot of drunken hooples saying, yeah, that sounds like a great, a great idea. Yes. But we've already talked about why they don't think they can just kill the guy.
1: Yeah, there would be all kinds of problems with that.
0: This episode, Dan has been walking around with this, like, big fur coat, and I feel like this is symbolic of how Dan feels in the aftermath of the fight. He savagely beats Turner with his club, like a caveman almost, like a Neanderthal, <laughs> and now he's sort of wearing the clothing of one, I guess, oh. because maybe subconsciously he feels like he's a savage or something. Oh. And then in this moment where Alice, like, okay, it's time to stop feeling guilty about that, I really need you right now. He takes off the coat and leaves it behind, and I think that's symbolic. Mm-hmm. Almost like he's shedding the weight of the the fight.
1: Mm, interesting. I like I would, that.
4: It would have been funny if he, and he was like he came out and he's afraid of fire as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> was it a coat or was it a just a blanket? A you know, like a. Blanket, I don't. I,
0: I don't know. know. It was like a a furry shawl thing. Same. I don't. Yeah. I don't I sure know what it, what it What exactly it was? If it was an actual yeah. coat or not? It was.
5: Yeah. A
0: cover. A a, a blanket. A a rug. I don't know. Who yeah. knows? It was something he was encasing himself in.
5: Yeah. Would
1: have been great if he was walking on his knuckles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then, he, then he clubbed
4: one of the hua's. Yeah. And brought, brought her back to his man cave.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jane, drunk, tells Aunt Lou that our general has a way with words and persuasion. When Aunt Lou asks for a swig, Jane shares the bottle with her.
1: <laughs> this was nice scene. Yeah, that was a great scene. I loved, I
5: loved Aunt Lou's reaction to drinking. <laughs> 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 she just loved it. Uh, yep.
0: Yeah. Yay, yeah, alcohol. <laughs> this is how Jane makes friends. She did the same thing with the general. Yeah. Back when they met, they shared a bottle.
1: Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. I think, I'm guessing that Jane wasn't sure whether Aunt Lou would be too highfalutin to have a, to take a swig or not.
5: Hmm. Yeah. You know,
1: or religious or, you know, whatever. Could be a lot of reasons for, you know, or not to share a bottle.
0: Well, it's Aunt Lou who asks for the swig.
1: Right, that's what, you know. And it's, as opposed she, and she Jane
0: smiles off. and she's surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fields enters the number 10, he wants to give money to Odell to get him to leave camp. As Fields confides his plan to fuck white pussy to the Pacific Ocean, Steve expresses his silent approval. Seems like a good plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Odell is bitter that his mama sent him away to Africa, and he's done talking. I'm done talking, Samuel. Goodbye. So I guess his powers of persuasion did not work.
1: Yeah. That must have been the first time Steve ever agreed with a black person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this whole episode, Steve's like, oh, black people, they're the worst, they're the worst. Oh, oh, there's one now, yikes. <laughs> and then he's like at the bar, he's like, oh, black people are the worst, there's one in here right now. Oh, oh, there's another one, yikes. <laughs> <laughs>
5: so great, so great.
0: Uh, <laughs> You're just going to have to get used to it, Steve.
1: You know, when Odell is talking, all I could think of was th- as far as, you know, oh, she sent me away and so forth. All I could think of was the the kids who would be getting into trouble and were like in the cities like a hundred years later, and they would be being sent to their grandparents' house in the South or you know whatever because they just had the wrong attitude and you know all these things. And it's like I wonder if it, or or um oh Maya Angelou the Caged Bird sings where she's basically saying that she was sent north because she was going to end up um dead if she didn't learn to to toe the line in the town she was raised in i like to think of it was like i'm guessing that aunt lou sent you to liberia because with your attitude and everything you were going to end up dead if if she didn't do something
0: get you out of there this is a popular theme in fiction of the parents who send their children away because they want their kids to have a better life. And the kids are like, but you abandoned me. I would have rather just been with you. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just grow up in the trailer park with you. You're speaking from personal experience?
1: (laughs) (laughs) In her case, I'm thinking that uh, Odell might not be alive right now if she hadn't sent him away.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe he got cocky because he went to Liberia and he thought that he was better than everybody.
1: Maybe. That's absolutely possible.
0: Now it is dusk at the hotel. Hearst asks Richardson what he might know of last night. Richardson knows nothing. Then Hearst confides his displeasure, and he has plans to bring it down. Bring what down, E.B. wonders? The hotel? Or even more?
1: Yeah, this is where it's like, is E.B. going to be the one who solves all the problems?
0: Mm. Probably not. (laughs) I like that Richardson is just, like, immune to George Hearst. Like, he just... Oh, that was crazy. Just keeps stirring the pot.
1: (laughs) the little smile
4: afterwards. (laughs) I like how he just agrees that he's stupid.
0: (laughs)
5: Yeah.
1: I'm stupid.
0: Maybe Richardson will be the linchpin. He'll bring down George Hurst.
1: That was another thought.
0: Secret genius. Mm
1: -hmm. Turn out that after all of this, we find out that Richardson is really just this Harvard graduate who just was tired of living the high life. And been acting all the way along it's all been a big act
0: seth wants a private word with al he is beginning to think charlie is right they should act now al says if they do act forest is all anyone would find in this space a hundred years from now al has another idea dan you won't be going to bismarck tonight johnny get the canned peaches let's have us a meeting <laughs> oh, <yeah>. be <laughs> baffled among friends
1: i like that they brought back the canned peaches yeah, yeah. i did too i thought the podcast would be like God pages <laughs> Poor Al, he doesn't get any of his plans to actually go to fruition, I think, in this episode, does he?
0: Well it's only episode six, Al, you gotta calm down. I mean
1: usually Al starts a plan, the plan he gets it gets it going during the episode. This one it's like Dan, go to um wherever it was they wanted to send him. Go get people. No, Dan, come back. We're gonna have a meeting. They don't have the meeting. You know, um, Silas, tell Cy this stuff. Silas doesn't tell him that stuff.
4: Dan, go get people with guns. Uh, never mind, go get peaches. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seems like, you know, things are not working out for Al, and this, none of his plans are really coming to any kind of fruition in this episode.
0: I like how Seth's frustration and anxiety manifests by him tapping his fingers on his gun. They just do the shot of of his fingers tapping, like he's just he's ready. He's ready to go. He's all primed and ready to go.
1: Yeah, when was that that happened? I remember this, that shot. The
0: scene, was, according to my according to my notes, it was the scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, was he? I thought that was a warning. That's in my in the back of my head. If I remember it correctly, I thought that was like a a warning that he was kind of like, "Don't mess with me. I'm ready to."
0: No, it's just Alice telling Seth that, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have a meeting. Mm. And you can, and they, the way they, they frame it, he's, Al is sitting down and Seth is standing up and his, mm. Seth's fingers are just tapping, like, because mm. he's, he's a man of action. hmm And Al is ex- saying, let's exercise some caution here. Mm. General Fields delivers the bad news to Aunt Lou. He couldn't persuade Odell to leave camp. Hurst greets Al and Seth in the thoroughfare. They exchange, they exchange taunts. Odell and Aunt Lou are late for dinner, and as Aunt Lou runs back to the hotel, she tells herself that Hurst will not take her son away from her.
4: That was pretty funny how lame was, with his insult or whatever.
0: Oh, and he's like, how's your year?
4: Yeah. And I was like,
0: <laughs> yay, good job for you.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He's, like, Seth was like the stupid lackey. Moment <laughs> <laughs> there.
0: Kind of immature for George Hurst to give Al the finger. Kind of juvenile.
5: Yeah.
1: Had a double meaning. So it did. Yeah.
0: It did, but yeah, still juvenile. Yeah,
1: very well. They're devolving.
0: <laughs> mm. Pretty soon they'll all be wearing fur coats and cl- carrying clubs around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll definitely. be like that episode of The Next Generation of uh, Genesis where they all de- devolve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joni finds Jane drunk on the ground, screaming to no one. Joni repeats her earlier offer, stay with me. She drags Jane's drunk ass away, despite Jane's warnings that you're putting yourself very much in danger. Very, 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 very much in danger.
1: Do you think she meant that in any other way but the fact that she was about to throw up all over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then as... uh as uh, Joni was walking away, she, I was, saw like her skirts like dragging on the ground. I was like, "Oh, it's dragging all like in probably like in puke and poo and oh, gross." <laughs> yeah, I always wonder how in the world these women could keep their skirts clean in any way, shape, or form with the them being so long and the ground being so gross. Probably yeah. just permanently stained. Ugh. Yeah, I don't think there's I much they could do. I think oh. most of them probably were. Uh, Gross!
4: You get you get home at the end of the day, and you just you're, the bottom of your dress would just be like hard, crusty. Oh!
5: <laughs>
0: you think you'd oh. stop wearing long dresses that you'd start wearing miniskirts? You hadn't invented miniskirts yet.
1: <laughs> but then, yeah, but you show the ankle, and that's just forbidden.
4: Yeah,
1: it's too saucy. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. not not allowed.
4: You're not allowed to wear pants. <laughs> yep. Except for Jane, for some reason.
1: <laughs> well, she wasn't trying to go into an East Coast restaurant or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. I kind of want to yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see the adventures of Jane in, uh, in on the East Coast when she was in, in the Wild West shows and stuff.
0: Well, that would be a great spinoff series.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, and they wore, a lot of times they wore these white shirts and stuff and it's just like, how in the world do they keep anything clean?
0: Well, they have a lot of Chinese people there to do their laundry for them.
1: Mm, I guess one of the reasons that Chinese
0: laundry was so popular. Well, that's the episode. Anyone have any parting thoughts?
1: Uh, I had a big note that I wrote along the edge of my notes. It says, I hope the situation is resolved before the end of the series.
0: What situation's that?
1: This whole thing with Hearst. Oh. The great big situation.
0: Well, it's kind of in the penultimate episode of the season, because the last episode's the play.
1: (laughs) It's just because I know that the series got cancelled, and I'm just hoping that this is not something that just got left hanging, that they wrap it up at the end of the season.
0: Well, we shall see. Yeah. Let's look at our predictions. Carol, you predicted that people will find more gold, but the less obvious meaning people find riches in their personal lives. Not true. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not even close. Uh, People find more gold.
5: Well, maybe. Odell
0: may have found more gold. Maybe. Matt predicts that we will skip ahead nine to ten months to Easter, and Sophia finds the biggest Easter egg, and it's made of gold. Probably happened. (laughs) Just off screen. Happened off screen. Uh, (laughs) Mel predicted a treasure hunt, a Deadwood geocache. Also, Alma finds a hidden stash of laudanum, and she sits in a shed and drinks laudanum all day long.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I wish. No, wait. That would be sad.
0: And we had no miscellaneous prediction. We forgot to do that last time. Oh, how dare we. So no one can earn a point this this episode. Which means I get it by default, right? No, absolutely not.
1: Uh... Is that how you won last time?
0: Default? Yeah. Default. Default. Uh, All right, let's move on to feedback. We'll start with Harold's feedback. I will have Laurel read this one, if she doesn't mind.
2: I do not mind.
0: Good. Good answer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm saved. Considering that this one is one of those episodes that is mainly concerned with the fallout from the previous episode and setting up future ones, it maintains a lot of tension, mostly centered on three questions. What is Hearst going to do next? Will Alma get off the stuff before something catastrophic happens? And three, what is going to happen between Hearst and Nodell? I think this is my favorite season of Deadwood in large part because Hearst is the big bad, something we really haven't seen before, and he's ratcheting up tension for almost everyone. Whatever was in that telegram obviously reminds Blaznob of some very dark times, and his chokehold on Tolliver is a metaphor for what he has planned for the rest of the camp. So Hurst would have Alma overdose if only he had this information one day earlier. I'm not really following his line of thought. Perhaps he will do better than me. I'm assuming that he thinks that her death, coming on the heels of his arrest by Bullock, might point the finger at him, but I am not so sure that this would be true or that this is what he's thinking about. I think that we are supposed to figure out what is up with Odell through Aunt Lou's reactions. He obviously knows that any mention of gold find will be irresistible to Hurst and Aunt Lou's suspicions about his sudden arrival from halfway around the world are signs that he is a con man. The tension lies in what will happen at the dinner. It was nice to see that now that Steve has legal ownership of the livery, he has sobered up and is working hard to turn into a thriving (laughs) establishment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that he will pay back his debt in no time. Uh Uh It was quite a bit of a surprise to see Joni after what seems like forever. Am I the only one who gets totally distracted at seeing the bottom of her fancy dress dragging through the mud? Uh, oh my god. Apparently not. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I give this eight corpse cellmates out of ten. Mm,
0: yeah.
5: <laughs> That's amazing that you noticed too, Harold. <laughs> yeah. We're all on the same page. Yes.
0: It was a beautiful purple dress, though. Yeah. And we didn't really get to the bottom of the plan to have Alma overdose. We. Harold you'll hear hear us dis- discuss that and we couldn't really quite figure out how it would shake out in Hurst's favor but we shall see yeah
1: yeah it just cause chaos i think he always figures that as long as things get shook up it'll come out in his favor it gives him a chance to make it come out in his favor he's a very
0: confident man mhm got some feedback from nutty we'll have we'll have matt read this
4: this episode was like a bridge between events So I imagine it will be hard for the hooples to score it. Did Ellsworth leave Alma because he could see she was using? It wasn't about wanting, about her wanting to have sex with him, but because he saw she was being self-destructive, or is there more? When they talked, it wasn't at all what I was expecting. I think he's leaving because he thinks she's only using because she's stuck with him, right?
0: Yeah. That was, that's my interpretation. Yes.
4: Yeah. I think I love Aunt Lou more. She's trying trying her best, but she's a fun character. It's clear from the get-go that Hearst doesn't like her son. Jealousy, perhaps. He likes feeling like he's the most important person to Aunt Lou, I think. Her son being around bothers him. I loved all the Jane scenes and everyone she interacted with. Jane is a mess, but she's got a heart of a gold. And you can tell that people can't help but adore her when they get to know her. The last scene with Joni was very touching, I thought. Uh, I like Al and Seth when they are conspiring. It's fun. (laughs) I like this episode, even though it wasn't structured with the full story for the episode. Just a lot of stuff happening. Things are building. New chess.
0: Thank you. Nutty watched ahead a couple episodes. She just sent me feedback (gasps) for seven and eight.
5: Oh, wow. So.
0: She just can't can't control herself. (laughs) I did warn her that we were recording the next one a week earlier. But then she went another one ahead. Mel, will you read this feedback from Hasso, please?
1: Hi, cast. Time's gotten the better of me this week, so no audio feedback. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm giving you a Canadian accent, Hasso. <laughs> so much happened in this excellent episode that it's just too difficult to try and pick a few scenes. So I'll take you through a few of my thoughts as I was watching. I hope it's not too long. I'll be the judge of that. Charlie and Hurst. (laughs) Charlie, you're a fucking champ. (laughs) (laughs) Oozing through sarcasm and (laughs) condescendence for Hurst to drown in. Awesome. Al, Seth, and Martha. Love the way how Al, who's always strategic, is able to get through to Seth to keep his plans in motion. Dan and Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Not subtle at all, with his caffeinated (laughs) (laughs) breakdance.
5: But his heart's in the right place. And I love Dan's
1: micro-reaction to the news of Seth's man of first. <laughs> Man-handling? Yeah. I don't know! <laughs> Man-handling. <laughs> Steve, you're a fucking drunk mess, and clearly in denial, massively overcompensating for that fact, but such great acting. E.B. slash <laughs> Richardson and Aunt Lou's son, they execute their comedy perfectly and have mastered the art of putting your foot in it when having to awkwardly pretend they didn't try preventing the sun to enter the hotel. Charlie, Seth, and Hurst with a knife. That is the look of a matter-of-fact murder in Hearst's eyes. It's almost like he sees the future the way he casually waves that bloody knife in front of Charlie and Seth. Alan Silas, wheeling and dealing, even though Silas is a little childish in the scene. He's still just so cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please see the screenshot of the thumbs up in the Facebook group.
1: <laughs> guys and then there's a little arrow I need to stop here because it was all this in under 15 minutes of the episode <laughs> and it was at this point I just had a moment thinking that this is season 3 and it's just getting better how do any series out there keep up such momentum and absolute quality I just had to let someone know so I pulled out my earphones and looked beside me at my kids and my wife who were watching TV and talking in my look of awe and excitement I just said to her Deadwood is so good. You just gotta watch this series, it's the best. My wife kinda blinked, knowing this is something she hears at least every few weeks in recent times, and then turned oh, back to my daughter and continued the conversation. Aww. <laughs> Sorry you got <had> ignored Hasso.
0: <laughs> Hasso's just in his own little world.
1: Someday they'll know they'll know uh the true awesomeness that is Deadwood. Um, and anyways he says uh, me still in my state of awe just put my headphones back in and jumped straight back into Deadwood World for more so I'll just have to leave it at that for now otherwise this email won't end <laughs> I give it a, this episode a 9 out of 10 caffeinated breakdances <laughs>
5: again, <laughs> again thank you for giving me the
1: channel to share my thoughts on the show it's been fantastic cheers Hasso thanks Hasso thank you Hasso <laughs> oh. You know, if, if your family doesn't uh, understand you, we do.
0: We do. We're your family now. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are living with you in your house are imposters. Ignore them. We're your family now. <laughs> That's <just> really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of creepy. <laughs> As my old friend Charlie Manson used to say. <laughs> Let's uh, play some audio feedback from
6: Russell. Hello all, it's Russell here. I didn't leave feedback last week because I have been very busy with election duty, so sorry about that, but um yeah, it was a good episode last week, and this episode follows on pretty well. I think it's a really interesting uh turn of events with things going the way they do with Hearst, and it's really good, isn't it to see Hurst in jail and especially next to a rotting corpse which is um which is really um seeing him with with tweak a tweaked deer was great, but also seeing him still in jail is great and uh yeah, so. I liked the way, uh, Al sort of came to, to Bullock to see what was going on. And I love that he wipes his feet when he enters the, um, Bullock household. I think he's such a charmer at, at times. You can see why he was successful in the antiques business. And, uh, no meat and <laughs> eggs for Al. Does Al ever eat? I think somebody, I think Matt might have said something before, but I've never seen Al eat except for maybe a peach. So lunch is for wimps, I guess. Um, and Alma looked very hot, didn't she? In that black and red dress, Matt, or yes. was it a night coat just <laughs> slightly open at the front? I thought that was interesting. And, um, <laughs> she was definitely, um, she's struggling this episode for sure. And, uh, I can't believe I forgot the dope situation because we were talking before about what was going on with, um, Leon and stuff. But yeah, it's obviously a big part of the show and I'd completely, um, forgotten all about it. And I think is Johnny really happy to see uh, Dan on his feet or is it that he is um, just high on coffee because it seemed a bit of both really. And it was great to see Jules even though just briefly for a a breakfast delivery. Um, So yeah, and I wondered, I found myself thinking about whiskey because they do drink a lot of whiskey on this show. And I thought, how much whiskey can a man drink and continue in his deadwood responsibilities because they seem to always be down in a quick whiskey for um you know i don't know for courage or whatever it is i know myself i had a couple of whiskies back in the day i would just fall over so uh yeah interesting and i wondered when uh hurst was talking um i wondered what he would have done differently had he known about Elma. what would he have done you know, would he have used that as a threat or would he have used, what would he have changed? He, I guess he feels that the captain would still be here and that situation wouldn't have happened perhaps or he would have acted on that. But it's, it's interesting what, um, he thought there. And then when Alma leaves the bank, I found myself thinking, is there no security at the bank? Cause she just seemed to lock it with a fairly light lock and then walk off. And there didn't seem to be anybody else there cause Trixie had walked out. Anyway, that's, uh, yeah, it was a great episode. I feel that um, things are really hotting up and I I remember what happened. So um, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but I'm going to say I enjoyed that episode. And I don't hope this is not somebody's quote, because an opinion solicited does not equal one freely voiced. Al's brilliant wisdom at the end there. And uh, yeah, just glad that I made it through alive and no assassinations from Mel, although there were some creepy shadows by the window one night, so that might have been my ex-girlfriend, but anyway, bye.
1: (laughs) I'll never tell my secret. The shadow have curly hair. If the shadow had an afro, probably me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought the same thing when Alma closed up the bank. She was just by herself. Like, yes, she had Trixie before, but really? Just two people in a bank? Like, that's safe,
1: yeah, it seems like they should have some security or something, but is are they right next to the hardware store?
0: I think they're across the street. There's people all around, yeah, so I don't know. Do you think I, that Hearst is upset that he lost Captain Turner or that he just lost the battle?
1: I think both, I think both yeah, and it, honestly i you know when when um the feedback asked you know about what he would have done differently. I was, th- I was kind of thinking there was an excuse. I'm not sure that he would have done anything differently to, that would have saved the captain because he had a pretty good bee in his bonnet that he wanted Dan taken out. But in his head, I could see him like saying, oh yeah, that would change everything. And I'm not sure it would have ta- changed anything, even if he had moved against Alma.
0: Well, thank you for the feedback, Harold, Hasso, Nutty, and Russell.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yet another week with no feedback from Will.
1: I know.
5: What Will?
0: <laughs> what the fuck, Will?
1: on, uh, corpse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Future corpse.
1: Or yeah. maybe that's why we haven't heard from him.
0: Yeah. Mel, oh, what have you yeah. been up to? Mm-hmm. Don't, k- don't kill him yet. Mel. He's supposed to be our guest for episode eight. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Oh, the thing about the dance thing? The caffeine dance? Mm-hmm. I didn't see the note before, but I had a whole note about that whole thing. It was like, does Dan really look like he wants this energetic, hi! Good morning! How are you? Sort of thing. I thought Dan was just gonna pistol whip him in another second if he Mm. had the energy.
0: Well, He looked at him with a, like, shut up. (laughs) Just shut up right now, please.
1: Johnny, your your lack of any kind of intelligence
0: is showing right here. (laughs) Mm It's
1: a wonder that boy's still alive.
0: Let's get into our episode ratings. Laurel, please go first.
1: I think
2: Nutty said it, that it might be hard for us to rate this, um, episode. And I felt that way, that it was hard to give it a rating. It did feel like it was kind of a breather, like something connecting what happened last time to what we're going to see next and seemed in some ways to move quietly. Um, I has, I'm on the border of giving it a 7.5 or an 8. I'm not sure. And, uh, I thought that I have Cornish mining relatives, so I think that keeps me really engaged in finding out what's going to happen with this, this miner, this recent, most recent miner that was, uh, murdered. So I guess I will, I'll I'll probably end on the higher end with eight spasms of fucking sex interest. (laughs) (laughs) Courtesy of a con, Stapleton.
0: Was that this episode or last episode? Wasn't
2: it? It feels, I felt like it was the beginning of this, but maybe I'm wrong. It was the last episode, I think. But we'll, let, we'll
0: let you have your rating. Thank you. Yeah,
1: Gosh. It's just pretty great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Carol, why don't you go next?
1: Um, I, I like this one more, though it is difficult because, you know, there, it's true that it is another, yet another episode that seems like it's a bridge between one and the other. But, but I felt like, um, there was just a huge amount of tension and, and more just going on. And, even though not much of it was resolved, pretty much none of it was resolved, I still, somehow, it still worked for me better than than some of the others Um, as far as that goes. A disclaimer here. All of these are really good episodes. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing is really good. Um, I'll go with uh, 8.5 out of 10 swigs of Jane's bottle.
0: Okay. Nice. Matt, how about you? (sighs) Yeah, we started getting into...
4: Al and Cy and her explicated storylines again, which I never liked, but I still enjoy watching the show even if I don't understand what's happening all the time. Um, I'm not a, really a fan of how characters are introduced and then they disappear and then other characters introduced, but, um, probably one of my, I don't know if my, score will reflect this, I think it does, but it's probably one of my least favorite of the season. Even though I still liked it, I'll give it uh, (laughs) a 7 out of 10 pissy pants.
5: (laughs) Pissy
1: pants. (laughs) Mel? Yeah, like, pretty much what everybody said. It's kind of like a bridge episode, right? It's Mm -hmm. just in between. So, I don't know. It's still good, though. Like, there's always good moments uh, in each and every episode,
0: I think. So, yeah, I'm gonna give it an 8 out of 10 crusty dress hems. Okay. And as for my rating, I like this one fine. Didn't really set the world on fire, but I I'm very fascinated by Odell and I love his relationship with his mother. This was a great Aunt Lou episode and since I love Aunt Lou, I really loved all of her scenes. So, um I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 one-sided conversations with mud puddles.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, character of the episode Laurel.
2: Okay, this for me is so easy. But hands down for me was Aunt Lou. She just oh. she had so many good lines and she just she's a really great actress.
0: And
1: I just loved watching her.
0: Aunt Lou Marchbanks. Okay, Carol.
1: Well, Aunt Lou is a really good one. Um, I kind of decided early on it was going to be Trixie. Um, she, she's she been holding her tongue and holding her tongue for so long and when she, when she just one after, uh, Alma. She did it in such a perfect way. Um, even though it wasn't a big part of the show, I, the episode. I think Aunt Lou probably deserves it more, but I'm still gonna go with Trixie.
0: mm I forgot how many great Trixie scenes there were. Mm. Matt. I
4: agree with Trixie. I always enjoy seeing her tell people what's up. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Not shy away from that sort of thing. Even though she does kind of confuse her meshe- message sometimes. This time I think she did pretty well. She was pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, so, Trixie. And Mel.
5: <laughs> you are not looking forward to that, are you? <laughs> 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 and Mel.
0: And... Time, time to get on the roller coaster experience that is getting information from Mel.
1: I'm uh, sorry. I uh <laughs> I'm going to pick
5: Jane.
0: Wow. Okay. It- <laughs> I'm I'm amazed. Not because you picked Jane, but because you settled on a person within a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um I'm going to pick her because despite her drunken pissing her pants ways, she is still a shining specimen of humanity.
7: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> she's still like, you know, she accepts people for what, who they are. It doesn't matter to her, you know, like Absolutely. She's just such su- such a friendly hap- like not happy, but like, you know, just she everybody she treats everybody the same pretty much. And I like that about her.
4: I love everybody. <laughs> Excuse my
0: barf. <laughs> Watch out. I <laughs> uh, I was going to pick Aunt Lou because I absolutely loved her. But I've already said Aunt Lou this season, so I'm going to spread the love a little. I'm going to nominate Trixie because she was also on point. She was in basically two of my favorite scenes. Very favorite scenes. So one point for the loopy cunt. (laughs) Okay, quotes. Laurel, guest rights say you get to go first.
2: Okay, I hope this is from this episode. Oh boy. Swell. (laughs) This is Al. Swell, stem to stern. The place. He walks in Bullock's house. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the... so his delivery was great.
0: I just love that he he adopts a different persona when he's in Martha's presence. Like I'm in the presence of a lady.
1: Yeah.
0: Just like when he put on a suit when he went to visit Alma.
1: Uh-huh.
0: We'll go with Carol next.
1: I have a lot of them. Um, I will no longer be requiring your services, alack! And I had hoped to work here forever. <laughs> 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 I love the alack. <laughs> yeah. Mel? Uh, Matt was going first, so go ahead.
5: Matt, okay, Matt. Me, Matt you may
0: go first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question I wake
4: to in the morning and pass out with at night. What's my popularity with my fellow white people?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep.
1: that, was, that was the one I was looking for. That
0: was for, so good. So That's Jane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Mel?
1: I gotta find my quote now.
0: <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well, I'm gonna pick this Johnny quote. You go ahead and drink that. That's at least my third damn cup. I'm jangle-nerved already. Let me go on and get shaky-handed, pop my foot on the floor like I'm listening to banjo music! <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that Noah was just looking for.
5: That's alright. I'll oh. find another.
1: <laughs> people are fucking people, and that is fucked up. <laughs> you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, because you don't know people. I know people, and I know the way they fucking operate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any other quotes? Carol, you said you have more?
1: Yeah. yeah. If I'm to go, I'd as soon get started before the darkness. Going means the darkness is upon us.
0: Well, that's very ominous.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: That was Al. When he told Dan not... Well,
2: told Dan to go. I have another. Okay. I don't understand. You wouldn't. You're too fucking healthy-minded.
0: That's from last episode.
2: <laughs> Damn! <laughs> <laughs>
1: From one for two. Um, pretty much all of them are are ominous. Um, oh, yeah. Hurst had no particular connection with Mr. Hostetler. Their names both begin with H. <laughs>
0: yeah, the the rare moment when Seth was being funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Seth told a joke. <laughs> but you notice he, the only time we've ever seen him tell a joke was with uh, Martha. Mm. I don't think we've ever seen him tell a joke with anybody else. Out of the court. Okay. Hurry up, Richardson! Thwart that Abyssinian! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you mean!
5: <laughs> I love Richardson so much! <laughs> and uh, the, the other one. Did you hear Richardson? Beautiful. Yes! <laughs>
0: uh, such a good person. Mel, you wanna be my scene partner? I will. You wanna be Trixie or Al? Uh, whatever, you, whatever, whatever.
1: Whatever you'd prefer. St-
0: okay, well, you'd be tricksy then.
1: Okay. I wouldn't mind turning a fucking trick.
0: Get the fuck out of here, we ain't hiring.
1: Fuck you anyways, Al, for not recognizing a figure's speech. It ain't one
0: you ought to employ, you stupid bitch.
1: I made a casual remark, an offhanded comment. I wouldn't mind turning the fucking trick.
0: Operate out of the back of his the store, then, you're so set on lifting your skirts. Let some fuck, filthy from the mines, breath rotten from his broken teeth, piss and shit stinking fuck every hole in your body.
1: What's the matter with you?
0: I lose patience with cunts too ignorant to know their lot's improved.
1: She's using again.
0: Who do we speak of now?
1: fucking Mrs. Ellsworth, and I told her I knew and that she'd ruin her child and that I quit her stupid job.
0: Oh, if that don't straighten her out, I don't know what fucking what.
1: What was I supposed to do then?
0: Look after your fucking stuff, you loopy cunt. Now get the fuck out of here.
2: And scene. <laughs>
0: oh, such a great scene. Yes. Uh-huh. Love it. Tough love. Tough love.
1: What else? Oh, Steve. <laughs> Look inward and stop blaming the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Steve, um, or, or, um, Hurst, this place displeases me. I am taking measures to bring it down. Uh, I just found this quote from Cy. Why don't you cap your visit with some complimentary higher-end pussy?
4: (laughs) Uh, I
0: guess.
1: Yeah, gotta take a little shot at, at, uh, how?
0: Not quick, but she does seem full of purpose.
1: Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Just watching people run by. Mm -hmm. What was all over Leon's coat anyways? Looks like he had shit all over his coat.
0: Probably fell down in the mud.
1: Maybe. Yeah, it probably was. There's just a still shot here of, like, Trixie, like, putting her tiny, tiny gun at at Leon's cheek. (laughs) I love Trixie's expression.
0: (laughs) And that was such a great little performance, too by Larry Cedar acting high in front of that puddle and then saying he's going to navigate around it and the way he just walks and just sort of twists his body, mm-hmm. the way that he feels himself being twisted. It's mm-hmm. its really, it was great. Yeah. A lot of great, just little small performances in the show.
1: Yeah. There really are. There really are. Um, there's the beginning of that other scene that I said, which is um, Trixie and Alma. I know, do you? Yes, your ladyship, I do.
0: hmm Well, if there are no other quotes, I will end with this one from Aunt Lou. Don't you want to say yes ma'am or yes mama before that or after Odell so my heart feels how sweet you are? Make me know you sweet, God-fearing, and truthful like I wanted my boy to be.
4: Never understood why God-fearing is a good thing.
1: Well, it's, you're supposed to, you're supposed to, um, if you fear God, then you behave yourself and you don't do bad things. Yeah. Yeah, that's the theory.
4: It just seems counter to what it supposedly preaches, that
0: that he loves you or whatever. (laughs) You should just be a decent person because you want to be a decent person, not because you're being judged by a deity.
1: Some people don't believe that's possible, Mm. and I always figure that people are judging by themselves. So, I watch those people carefully when I have dealings with them. (laughs) (laughs) They don't seem to feel that people can have a conscience on their own. Yeah.
0: Well, we return in one week's time. Yes, one short week. We normally go uh, bi-weekly, but because of the Memorial Day holiday at the end of the month, we're going to do this again next Sunday. So, in one week's time, we will be talking about episode 31, Unauthorized Cinnamon. Cinnamon? Cinnamon? Unauthorized Cinnamon.
1: Unauthorized Cinnamon. Huh. Well, we do have interesting titles for these episodes, I Unfortunately, they still don't seem to connect to much, but uh Deadwood's
4: going to have a cinnamon festival, and they're going to carve like cinnamon totem poles. No, but and... it's
5: unauthorized
4: Oh, uh, it's a secret cinnamon festival <laughs> it happens in chinatown they're going to carve cinnamon dragons
1: cinnamon huh oh. <laughs> what's the first part of that title
0: Unauthorized.
1: Unauthorized cinnamon. Going to be a new <laughs> whore in town. Her name is Cinnamon. The, the, <laughs> the spice must flow. <laughs> anyway, this whore's name is Cinnamon, and uh, she's uh, she's off limits, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How is she going to make any money?
5: She's got her ways. <laughs> know, mysterious ways.
4: She only accepts the one percent. <laughs> mm. It's going to be George Hurst's personal. Oh, maybe. Oh.
1: I wonder if it's going to have something more to do with Aunt Lou, in that she's the cook. She's not going to use cinnamon in her cobbler? (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) it's... No, it would be she's using it somewhere where it's not authorized by... And there's a whole thing, I mean, they referred to Odell as a high yellow... I don't know that there's any racial implications on Cinnamon, even though it's a dark spice. So I, I don't know what whether that'll have anything to do with it or not. But, you know, I mean, she already is actually caring about someone other than than Hearst. So that's kind of unauthorized to begin with. Okay, so it's either going to be that there's a new whore in town and her name is Cinnamon, and she doesn't deal with anybody, or... They're going to introduce another new character, and he's a spice dealer, <laughs> <laughs> and he sells contraband
0: cinnamon.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the spice lets you travel to distant stars.
0: I'd like, I like all these connections to Dune. I, they're all, they're all riding worms <laughs> into Deadwood.
1: I was going to ask. If, I was going to be like Matt. That was a reference to Dune before that you made, right? Mis- <laughs> so yeah.
0: So for a miscellaneous prediction. We'll do, how many times a drink is poured?
1: Oh. Well, there's going to be a dinner. It's going to be a dinner? Oh, yeah. cinema.
0: Well, five. between Odell and George Hurst. I think this oh. is going to be high, but I'm going to go five.
1: You don't think it's going to skip the dinner? We're actually going to see the dinner? I oh. know.
0: Okay, Matt says five.
1: Is this, this is not counting background and all of that. I'm just putting it up. Yeah, so if
0: it, if it's in the background, it counts. If we see it, it, it counts. Does count? Yeah, if it's on screen, it counts. Poured, right? not just drinks. Poured. yes. It's gotta be put oh, into the glass. Not just see? I'll go
1: with um, seven. Mel? Go low. Two.
0: Don, is that your prediction or Matt's?
1: It's mine. Why okay. would I say Matt's prediction? Because
0: it sounded like he was forcing you to go low and you didn't want to.
1: I was gonna go seven, but Carol stole it, so two.
0: <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: I don't really care.
0: I don't really give a fuck.
5: I don't give a fuck. What am I losing here?
0: Points. Precious, precious points. Precious points. points. Points you gotta ha- you gotta have points. They to accumulate. Oh,
4: Matt's gonna give us something at the end of the
0: podcast. I'm something sure. something happens at the end of the podcast. <laughs> That's
5: probably gonna be a punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you get the
4: most points.
0: <laughs> it's gonna happen live on the podcast too. You're gonna hear a doorbell ring. You'll excuse me, and I'll be- and I will have transported myself to Canada, and I will punch you in the face.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> uh, at least I don't have to worry because. I never get anywhere near anything. So, <laughs> I feel like nobody would ever believe that story. <laughs> Why would you get that black eye? Well, <laughs> it's amazing what virtual reality can do nowadays. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Laurel.
2: Thanks for having me again. It was fun.
0: Do you have any projects or things on the internet you want to plug, promote?
2: Um. Well, I have a board on Pinterest that's kind of like a visual explanation of a historic novel I'm working on. It's oh, called, cool. it's called Minnie's World, and the, the board is, and um, it is about a uh, sexual slavery in the, a few years after Deadwood, so 1880s, 1890s in Upper Michigan.
5: Oh,
2: okay. So, I've been building out this board on Pinterest to try to imagine all the elements of the story. That's been fun. Oh, sounds great. Cool, yeah. So, you can find me at Laurel Hilton on Pinterest and follow that.
0: that sounds really interesting. Check that out.
2: In this story, the Cornish Miner's a hero. So.
1: <laughs> well, in this story, he's kind of a hero, too. Yeah, I guess, yeah, in a,
2: in a, that's Dear true. Purpose. He's he's the underdog, for sure.
5: Yeah, it's true.
0: Um well, Defenders podcast still happening. It is. Talking about yes. Daredevil. Daredevil, yep. I was on episode 7 of Daredevil, Sumper Fidelis. I may have plugged that last time.
1: I still have to watch these shows.
0: Oh, my Redemption cast episode of Angel came out, Lullaby.
1: Oh, good, good.
0: I'm recording Clone Dance Party later. That's an Orphan Black podcast. Yes. Do you listen to our podcast, Carol?
1: I think I may have guessed it on Clone Dance Party back. Maybe first season
0: in the dark days before I was a co-host.
1: Yeah, I think way back when, and then I got like really I got behind on my podcast listening. Um. For a bunch of different reasons having to do with when I'm able to listen to podcasts and stuff. I listen to them on my commute a lot. So, if something happens with my commute, then I end up getting all behind.
0: Matt and I just recorded, what, our fifth episode of Matt is Wrong About Games? Yep. (laughs) That's our gaming podcast. We had a really cool guest on. The uh, editor-in-chief. Well, actually, that's not our title, right? What is your title? I can't remember. Executive editor, maybe? She's the boss. (laughs) She's the boss of a of EGM, the electronic gaming monthly, which is so now quarterly. In, <laughs> which is, yeah, which is now out quarterly. Oh, and then ironically has a website called EGM now. <laughs> so it's <laughs> EGM right now. <laughs> it just exists outside of space time. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool gaming website. It was nice to f- be able to talk to somebody who has a industry insider industry perspective. So that's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Very that,
5: cool.
4: Yeah. Before that, she was with Game Fan, which is, uh, highly regarded kind of
0: ne- more niche game magazine from the past
1: <laughs> the time travel <problem.
0: laughs> <laughs> yes. as always you can find us at hooplecast.com or by going onto twitter at hooplecast search facebook to find our facebook group where we post lots of fun stuff and have great conversations so join your fellow hoopleheads there and go into iTunes and leave a favorable review, especially if you frequent the UK version of the iTunes store.
2: <laughs> I oh. want to say I'm mad at iTunes right now. I tried to leave a review and it just would not let me do it. Really? for For Deadwood, I tried to leave a review. I've yeah. never
4: been able to do it either.
2: You haven't? Okay, I I put in yeah. a, like a you know one of those little reports to say what the heck happened. Yeah, I've I'm had not. a
1: hard time. I've had a hard time leaving reviews too. Yeah.
2: Huh.
0: What's going on, Apple? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, you want to take us out with a fuck iTunes?
2: Yeah, yeah. fuck iTunes. Said <laughs> fuck y'all.
0: <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Fuck you. I apologize.
8: And we scattered leaping falls as we fell into the ditches. Ahead of me ran Jackson, who took a bullet to the chest, and beneath the swaying. Jackson slowly bled to death But as his green eyes dimmed I saw a fiery mist Drift softly to the clouds From behind I stood up between the guns I saw trails of smoke and fire Flying everywhere I looked Like hands of glowing light Trailing up from fallen peaches And around the running Leaping through the branches, across the corpses on the hills, the sunset spread her flames, and her glowing fingers tell me as they dug my shallows
0: Welcome to Hooplecast. I am your host, Wait, Matt.
1: And here. stop. Everyone, Sorry. stop what you're doing. Matt's not here. He just left. Matt, what you just left fuck? and Matt was starting. I I could you needed your time. nibs that bad? I
5: needed my snacks. <laughs> I was like, there's no way he's gonna be back on time to say snakes. Sorry. Okay, I'm good.
0: Put your <laughs> put your face in front of your microphone and get ready. Here we, here we go. Ready. <laughs> it would be like that episode of The Next Generation, uh, Genesis, where they all devolve. De- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bonus episode. <laughs> you were watching Next Generation, weren't you, Matt? Yeah, and then they took it off Netflix.
1: It sucks. I wanted to keep watching it. We we got, like... I was I was getting... I was pretty hooked on it. We I got, liked it.
4: Yeah, we got a handful of episodes into season two, and then it disappeared.
1: Oh, well, just as it
0: starts to get good, it goes away?
4: Okay,
1: season two is when it becomes worthwhile watching. I know. I thought, I didn't think season one was that bad. I I thought it was enjoyable. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I realized that now, season one probably looks better now than it did when it first came out. Because it's, it's very derivative of the original series. Mm. And if you haven't seen the original series lately, or you haven't seen it at all, that wouldn't bother you. That would be like, you know, no big deal. When it came out way back when, it was just very disappointing. (laughs) It's like, Really? Um, You're just going to do the old series over again, only not as well?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there were a lot of problems. Like, You should watch the documentary Chaos on the Bridge. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very interesting, uh, all the problems that, that they had in production, particularly in Season 1, and a lot of it related to Gene Roddenberry.
1: <laughs> that doesn't
0: surprise me. Well, he wanted to create this, like, utopian, like, in the future there's no conflict. Well there's yeah. no drama without conflict. Like so you can't have that. There's also manny skirts.
4: <laughs> I, I was, That's pretty conflicting, I think. <laughs> I was I was sad that the Manny skirts disappeared after the first couple episodes. Yeah. Don't remember the skirts. I don't, don't remember the men wearing skirts? Like mm. it's so great. It was basically the, the like there were men walking around in the Starfleet female officers' uniforms with the skirts. Really? It's basically oh, like yeah. yeah, it was like they call them many skirts. Like, well that the fans call them Manny skirts.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. It was, it was basically
4: it was basically like you know, like a utopia where there's nobody cares about shit like that.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I don't remember. Whatever you that want. At all. Then again, as I say, I stopped watching it um after a while in the first season because I was kinda disgusted. And then I came back to it a couple of years later when people were saying, No, it got better.
0: So, yeah, those Start. I would say the late half of season two is when it starts to get good. There's an episode called Q-Who, and that's when they introduced the Borg.
1: Yeah, which was a good...
0: Yeah. Actually, there was a very good episode at the end (laughs) of season one called Conspiracy, which gave me nightmares, because a guy, like, exploded, and there was an alien parasite in him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was going to be, like, a long-term story arc, but I think Roddenberry was like, No, that's too... Too disgusting or serious or scary or whatever, and it kind of came back as the Borg, that whole looming threat. Anyway, we're going off topic. Um, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I posted a mani yeah, <laughs> the manny skirt.
0: Thanks. Dead. Dead. Okay. And you should yeah. put it on the Facebook group. That's what the group is for. It's for posting random things and having people go, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you do? Why did you post this?" Joni finds Jane drunk on the ground, screaming to no one. We'll start with Harold's feedback. I will have Laurel read this one, if she doesn't mind.
2: I do not mind.
0: Good. Good answer.
2: (laughs) I'm saved. Okay, does this one goes right underneath the picture Matt posted.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: (laughs) This episode is dominated by the brutal fight between Dan and the captain. Of the three really brutal fights in this show, to me, this is the most memorable and gruesome, mostly due to the physicality of those two guys going at it, and, of course, the eye gouging. The other really memorable moment was Seth's humiliating arrest of Hearst, pulling him by the ear, and marching him across the muddy streets for all to see. i had forgotten how this moment was built up through the episode, beginning with Bullock trying to reign in his anger over yet another Cornishman being murdered in broad daylight.
0: Um, stop reading, please, because I think this is from last time. Oh. Yeah, it like, is. Sounding too familiar. Normal. Did we well, read I mean, it last you- time? Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, okay. I was just like, check the drive, and it this was. I'm just a real hooplehead, guys. <laughs>
5: Yay! We're not the only ones. Yay!
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I dropped it into my OneDrive folder, but it never. Uh, I think you
1: were just. I think you were just distracted by that mani skirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. It's just so sexy. <laughs> um, it looks like a
2: squirt. <laughs> yes, it is. It it's looks a like... skort, right? <laughs> <laughs> don't know. squirt, right? I so. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> You're not wearing nylon.
0: All right, let's try this again.
4: The spice lets you travel to distant stars. I
0: like. I like all these connections to Dune. I they're all they're all riding worms <laughs> into Deadwood.
1: I was gonna ask if I was gonna be like Matt. That was a reference to Dune before that you made, right? Yeah. So yeah, okay. Yeah, I was there with you.
4: Fear is <laughs>
0: the mind.
1: <laughs>
0: I will face my fear. I will let it pass through me.
1: Mm. I've been trying to get my son to read that book for years and years, and he it just hasn't been one of those things where we've had time.
0: No, it's a terrible <laughs> book. Let's be frank.
1: Oh, it's not a terrible
5: book. It is a terrible <laughs> book. It's not a terrible book. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Matt. The
1: original book.
0: Yeah. A terrible book. It's got some really great ideas. Yeah and it he does world building very well but there are some there are some sentences in that book that should never be never have been printed <laughs> and i will see if i can find there's one example that i love to use because it's just the craziest thing like you you can't write like that that's dumb i'll see if i can find it and i'll put it All on right. the group
1: okay i i'd be interested i mean i <laughs> i can find stuff from like last of the mohicans and those things that you know that that dragged me absolutely up the wall Mm -hmm. but uh i i enjoyed doing i haven't read it for years but i mean i read it a couple different times and each time i i enjoyed it immensely so but it's been a long time since i last read it i like doing
0: did you ever i'm sure you've seen the the lynch movie
1: i did a long time ago i barely remember it i kind of blocked it out
0: did you ever watch the sci-fi channel miniseries
1: I don't think I did. I don't think I, I, I vaguely heard about it, but I, I don't, I haven't run across it. So I don't, no.
0: It's not that bad.
1: No? no.
0: I liked it. And The Children of Dune, which was the, the follow up.
1: The follow up. Yeah, I read the first, I think I read the first three or four books. And then it was like, alright, these are getting further and further into other things that I'm not too thrilled about. And I finally gave up on them, and then, of course, he died, and his son or something kept writing more books, and I was like, no, I'm not going there.
0: Rather surprising that that's never been adapted into a series. Like, I can definitely see that being a... Oh, I, yeah. fa- I, found, this- I found my favorite sentence.
1: Yay.
5: Okay.
0: Every partial shift and twist of the slide replayed itself in his memory, moving with an interior stateliness that contrasted with the fractional second of real time required for the total recall.
1: <laughs>
5: you
0: can't write sentences like that. You just can't.
1: <laughs> I don't recall it ever bothering me in context.
4: High <laughs> on spice at the time. <laughs> Oops.
0: I was gonna skip it. I was gonna scrub through the next episode for our miscellaneous prediction to see if anything jumped out at me. Um No. Guess not. Um let's see here. We'll
4: do How long until the first shot of mud? <laughs>
0: Oh, we can do that for in future time.
1: <laughs> well, does that count the opening sequence or not? No, no.
0: <laughs> we'll do how many times a drink is poured. Oh. Oh, we should also do how many
4: horses in an episode, because we don't always see horses.
1: Yeah, but if we see a street scene, there could be a lot of horses. Not always. No, you're right, not always, but... But it could be like a, like a Where's Waldo kind of thing, <laughs> where you, yeah, you saw a horse, but...
0: <laughs> so what are we doing? Let me go on and get shaky-handed, pop my foot on the floor like
5: I'm listening to banjo music!